Hello and welcome to episode 214 of the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm a Manny Manuel! We are continuing on in 1992. Today's movie, The Crying Game. Yeah. What is it about? How well received is it? Who are the people in this movie? What is The Crying Game? These are all questions that may or may not be answered today on the show. Uh, oh. <laughs> Manny, is this one you were looking forward to? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I forget. I mean, we'll cover this in in the uh, as we get into the movie. But I can't even remember if you said that you'd seen this one before. Oh yeah, you'd seen this one. It's about third, third watch, fourth, okay. maybe. Interesting. All right. Well, I, I look forward to finding out uh, your specific thoughts on it. But right. Manny, yeah. Uh, as always, you've been a, a busy little bee. I have watching more movies than I. Yes. Bio. Well, by about four to zero. Yes. (laughs) Four that we're going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're you're averaging, we were talking about this off air, you're averaging seven a week, correct? 6.9. Wow. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I can't get above seven to get to my 365 goal. Nah, you'll get there. If I get to 365 and then am I going to try and beat it in 2023? I mean, how, how many more can you watch than one a day? There's only so much time. I could definitely pro- if i put effort into it i could probably if, squeeze in more if you like cheated a little bit cheat might be the wrong word but if you like prioritized movies that were like an hour and a half or below yeah i'm sure I, you like, could push it maximize the time yeah the other thing i could do is what uh, and just couple, watch no tv either well, tv's eating up a little bit of my time and yeah. like i said like i'm below seven per week because of my fucking friend holly I, th- I think at the current moment, I'm watching movies about half the rate you are. I th- last time I checked it, which is actually a while ago, and I haven't been watching that many now, uh, I think I'm averaging about three and a half a week now. Are you? Yeah. I'm going to fucking check that right now. Maybe it's even three. I'm not totally sure, to be honest. But yeah, sorry. I cut off your thought about uh, about your friend Holly, but uh, you were telling me last week that uh, all the Marvel TV shows that you two were watching together were really cutting into your movie watch time, I think. Yeah, they fucking were. <laughs> Wait, where can I... How come I can't find your list? Yeah. I, uh, I've only really been watching Stranger Things recently, and I've talked about that a few times, so I won't. I did finally watch season three all the way through, so now I am ready to start on season four, so maybe I'll have something new to talk about next week. Uh, but also Umbrella Academy season three came out today, so I'll probably be watching that soon. Still haven't finished Ozark. Uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of TV ahead to watch, and not a lot of time to watch it. Okay, fuck, that took me longer than it should. <laughs> You're averaging 3.2. 3.2. Yeah. Yeah. Those are rookie numbers. Those are rookie numbers in this rack. You got to pump those numbers up. No, that's those are good, those are good numbers. Those are respectable numbers. I, I feel all right about that. It's yeah. just, you know, I, did I set a movie goal at the beginning of the year? Not to my knowledge. I don't think I set a goal on the number of movies I would watch. I think I just set a goal on the 2022s I would watch, correct? I think so. Cuz I hit 30 this year. Oh, you know what? I thought I I thought I was short of 30. And I wound up hitting 30, like, exactly in 2021. Um, so I think I just reset it to 30. I can't honestly remember. Okay, yeah. Yeah, if I can watch 30 2022s by year's end, that'll be, that'll be prime. Mm. All right. I should stop looking at my letterbox. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's, the letterbox stats are a whole rabbit hole. A whole rabbit hole. We could do a whole episode. Oh, yeah, we could. Maybe Tempting. we should. Ding. <laughs> we could do a... Oh, no, that wouldn't work. I was like, we could do a letterbox episode and bank it you know we could legitimately maybe not do a letterboxd episode but when we're doing our year in review stuff we can incorporate that sort of stuff i that's on my note list okay yeah <laughs> when we get to the 52 in review 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, 52 in review as well as the just... The top 10? Yeah. I mean, just any of the year in review stuff, really. Um, the year in review, like, when we do, like, the 1992 year in review? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no. I'm talking oh. about, like, the when we're reviewing, like, when we reach the end of 2022, we're going to have the year in review. We're going to have our top 10s. We're going to have... Uh, we'll have the Oscar 52 in review, yeah. the, our top 10s, mm-hmm. the Sampas, mm-hmm. and then our uh, the Oscar recap, which wouldn't have anything to do with Letterboxd. Yeah, exactly. So I guess mostly the 52 in review would be affected by it. Interesting. Good thing we're planning out episodes on air. Yeah, right? Okay, <laughs> so, so let's get, let's get to what we've been watching. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Okay, so we're going to talk about four films. Uh, the first film we're going to talk about is a 2022 movie. Um, by the director of Top Gun Maverick, uh, released on Netflix, called Spiderhead. In the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. One such subject, for a new drug capable of generating feelings of love, begins questioning the reality of his emotions. It stars uh, Miles Teller and Chris Hemsworth uh, in this film. I was looking forward to this movie. Uh, I think after seeing Top Gun Maverick, I was like, okay, maybe this Joseph Kaczynski guy might have something. He did another movie I've watched called Oblivion with Tom Cruise that was a decent sci-fi film. I definitely want to revisit it. Um, Spiderhead was a a failure. Uh, It was a cool premise, but it did not nail the landing. And I found myself basically enjoying the film but not heavily invested and I just found myself at the end of it just like well that was a movie and it's over and I'll probably never watch it again it's unfortunate uh, I like both of these actors then you'll I hate saying like I I gave it a two yeah but uh Oh god, I like I almost still kind of want to recommend it because the premise of the movie is really good and very interesting and has some very interesting ideas and moments in there. Chris Hemsworth kind of playing like a little bit against type as he's the pharmaceutical genius who is running these experiments and he's playing very over the top, very kinetic, very ugh almost like he is speaking so fast it's reminiscent of a little bit more of a comedic turn a, a little bit more of a comedic performance similar to Jesse Eisenberg in the social network okay talking very fast except in the social network Jesse Eisenberg's performance is Oscar caliber and not very comedic this is a little bit over the top talking very fast and quite comedic mm-hmm. but not this isn't a comedy. Yeah, it's uh, categorized on IMDb as an action crime drama. Yeah, crime? Well, I guess so. Um, well, it's convicts, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. I mean, can, is it really a crime movie if like all the crime happens before the movie begins? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do any? Well, well, yeah. There, are, there is some crime that occurs. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> You have a, a facility full of criminals. And so, uh, anyways, uh, oh God, I don't know. Watching this movie might be worth it to see the potential of what this movie could have been. 
this is just kind of bland just kind of like netflix felt like they had to put something out and just a little bit uh a little bit corporatized uh no i don't even it's it's i i would never call anything that netflix puts out as corporatized because they basically give their artists creative freedom right so maybe this could have used a little corporatization maybe i have no idea uh, it got... Why are all their? <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna just answer my own question. I guess I was gonna say why? Why are so many Netflix movies so bad then? Uh, but I guess that's because if the artist isn't really proven, then I guess you you might just expect a turd. Like well, you and I were going over some one star movies before we came on air tonight. Ones that you and I had given ones. Mm. So many of mine are Netflix originals. A lot of mine. Oh, I didn't. I didn't check. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this this was you know if. if got a 54 meta score it's get it's a 2.6 on letterbox so it's not good yeah so, that's a shame yeah it was a bit of a, a underwhelming thing with that could have been something really interesting like a really great i get the sense you're trying very desperately not to spoil this uh but yeah just underwhelming i guess <sighs> wasted potential all right wasted potential uh next up another 2022 film that i was looking forward to mostly because I wanted to see how they were going to do this. And that is the Pixar film Lightyear. Uh, The plot, while spending years attempting to return home, marooned space ranger Buzz Lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. Now I was confused about this movie as they said that this movie is the person that the Buzz Lightyear toy is based off of. Mm-hmm. So I was confused because this movie is obviously set in the future. So how could they base this toy off of something that occurs in the future? Yes. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Even, and I won't lie, going to this, I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking angry. I'm like, this... This doesn't Already, make sense. Before, before seeing a second of, yep. of film. Even though I was looking forward to it, the visuals looked amazing. It's a Pixar film, so my expectations are quite high. Less than 15 seconds into the movie, they assage all my fears. As they say, in 1995, Andy bought a toy based off of his favorite movie. This is that movie. Okay, easy. And I was like, perfect. I immediately like, oh, okay, Perfect. And then you watch the movie. How this could be a young child's favorite movie makes no sense. If I'm going to go under the assumption that all of our listeners, I think it's a safe, safe assumption, that all of our listeners have at least seen one Toy Story film. Yeah, if you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this instead of at home watching Toy Story. Yes. <clears throat> the toy, Buzz Lightyear, in the Toy Story films, is nothing like this character in this movie. They couldn't be more different. I was expecting, if this, if that toy is based off of this character, then I'm expecting a kind of fun-loving gung-ho, rah-rah, action-adventure with some fun tucked in there. You're kind of expecting Toy Story 1 buzz, but voiced by a different actor. This movie, Lightyear, 
is basically interstellar. That confusing? <laughs> this movie is about time travel. I've been wanting to revisit Interstellar. But that's so have I. Yeah, I fucking love that score. Hans Zimmer's pipe organ score in that movie is just mwah, chef's kiss. Love Interstellar except for the ending. The ending makes me so fucking angry. Ending's weird. It's not even weird. It completely deflates the rest of the movie. Yeah. I won't get into it. <laughs> we'll leave that for another time. I won't spoil Interstellar <laughs> for those that haven't seen it. It is 100% worth watching. People wouldn't believe you if you spoiled Interstellar. The, Not that part. Hmm. Not that part. Okay. After that part. Right. I, you, you, uh, a character just kind of winds up in a place. Is that what you're referring to? I'm referring to <laughs> after that character winds up in that place and time fixes the thing. Yeah. Then he meets somebody that supposedly this whole film was about him trying to... And they're just like, nice knowing you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good to see you again. The, Adios, the senor. Emotion, the emotional climax of the movie is a little uh, short-lived. A little? Yeah. <laughs> the entire movie is building up to that point. And he's like, cool. I'm out. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, it angers me so much because the movie is pretty much almost brilliant up to that point. Yeah, it's a great and movie. It is a great movie. I love that movie. I, that ending doesn't ruin it for me because I still like it, that movie, but it just fucking makes me angry. Lightyear. <laughs> I'll talk about the positives. Okay. Number one, Chris Evans is magnificent. Because of course he is. Yes. He does the Buzz Lightyear voice so well, you actually, every once in a while, are like, that sounds exactly like Tim Allen. Hmm. The thing is, is that he's not Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Depending on what you want to do. Because apparently in the Pixar universe, this came first. Right. So is Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear not the real Buzz Lightyear? Okay. Then we get into a whole conversation about identity and what is it even to be a person and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't bother me. This, I'll give you, here's the perfect analogy. The Buzz Lightyear toy is nothing like the Buzz Lightyear character in this movie. This is still an entertaining movie. It just shouldn't have been a Buzz Lightyear movie. Much like Solo, a Star Wars movie. A Star Wars story. Uh, Joker. Uh, Not quite that Not quite the same? Not quite the same. Okay. Because uh, I, I don't know which Buzz I'm supposed to assume is the real one. Which like which 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 buzz is the real buzz? Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story films where there's four of them and he acts the same through all four films, yeah. or this one where he's kind of brooding, doesn't want to have any teammates, focused on his mission and has has zero fun, zero fun. <sighs> but Chris Evans is still good. They in, if you've seen the trailer, there is a cat that is. Obviously robotic. Uh, his name is Socks. He's fantastic. Probably the best part of the movie. Um, I'll put this out there. There's a scene regarding sandwiches that was the highlight of the movie for me. Sandwiches. Yes. Okay. That was probably the highlight. Like I, I was, I was laughing quite well. There are lots of little inside references 
to the story, Toy Story films in this. Some of the things he says, some of the things he does that are little nods. I wouldn't go. I would not call them fan service. It's more like nods hmm. to this is what that is. Um, I was just kind of expecting something a lot more fun and lighthearted. This is kind of dark and um, nothing like the Buzz Lightyear character. <laughs> That's a little jarring, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I- I'm sure Pixar has their reasons for trying to put something out there different. And again, I haven't seen this movie, so um, I'll I'll refrain from poking and prodding too much because I do plan on watching it still, obviously. But yeah, surprises me to learn that uh, it's that different. Looking forward to the sandwich moment, though. Sandwich moment was good. Uh, on a scale of one to Big Kahuna Burger, where does this land in the san- cinema sandwich moments in history? Okay, so Big Kahuna Burger is is the is the is okay. Yeah. How many spaces do I get? Let's call it, let's call it five. It's okay. <laughs> a nice number to pick. No, no half no half points. No half point. No half sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. No half sandwiches. Solid three. It's a solid three. Cool. Solid three. Um, the other other big bonus that I'm sure that you'll appreciate. It has a not at the same level, but a direct homage sister scene to the beginning of Up. Oh wow! Yes, that's pretty heavy. Yes, <laughs> it, it happens early on. You're talking about the uh, the silent or the silent like eight minute montage. Yes, from Up. Okay. Yes, this has it's about eight minutes, and it's very similar. Interesting. Okay. What does let your get, Manny? A three. Gets a three? Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. I already typed in a three for you. Yeah, it's a three. I just kind of assumed as much. Um, I think that's all I can talk about without spoiling anything. Yeah. Let me say, have you seen the trailer for this? No, I haven't. Okay. Try not that, to watch trailers. You know that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. I'll say this. A, sm- a small thing that bothered me, they introduce, they introduce a threat into this movie that comes in early and then disappears for no reason is never seen again it's never resolved right okay all right it and it, it it bugged me a little bit okay okay next up continued on my 1992 rewatch chipping away the movie i'm going to be talking about after this was one that left me on such a high I needed to watch something else the following day to continue that feeling. I wanted to watch something that I was pretty sure I was going to enjoy, so I decided to revisit a comedy, the top-grossing comedy of 1992 that I sadly, after watching this movie, took off of our our, our list, uh, our episode list, uh, and that's uh, My Cousin Vinny. Great. Uh, two New Yorkers accused of murder in rural Alabama while on their way back to college Call in the help of one of their cousins, a loudmouth lawyer with no trial experience. Stars Joe Pesci, uh, Marissa Tomei, and Ralph Macchio. <sighs> I haven't seen this movie in probably 15 to 20 years. I put it on expecting to enjoy myself and, and have a couple giggles and stuff like that. This exceeded my rec- my my recollection of it i was fucking dying laughing and giggling nonstop. Mm-hmm. a lot of people think of this film as this is the movie that marissa Tomei won her best supporting actress for 
and a lot of people look back on it and kind of poo-poo that decision. I'm so happy to say she is so fucking worthy of that win. She is unbelievable in this movie, and what makes it even better, as you and I have said numerous times, comedic, it's a comedic performance. It's a comedic yeah. performance that she gets rewarded for, and it which is, does not happen with the Oscars very often. Sam, I hope this is on your watch list. It absolutely is. It's very high. It's literally like I can think of only two 1992 movies that we're not reviewing that I feel like are must watches for me. <sighs> this movie was so funny. I forgot how incredibly great the chemistry between Joe Pesci and Remissa Tomei is. Mm -hmm. Every time they're on screen together, it is a delight. I for always forget on how funny Joe Pesci is. And him, this is two years after he wins the Oscar for Goodfellas. When the movie comes out, it's probably when he's filming this, like less than a year after he accepts the Oscar for Goodfellas. So he's kind of playing up on his role in Goodfellas because he's playing a New York not a not a gangster but a new a, a kind of New a, York Italian a New York Italian mm -hmm. fuck this movie is so funny I honestly don't remember it being this funny mm -hmm. but I was full on laughing numerous times anytime you give a comedy a glowing review I usually perk up and listen oh I had so much fun with this movie now the Ralph Macchio and his cohort in the film the other person accused uh, the actor is Mitchell Whitfield as Stan Rosenstein he actually makes a joke about the mispronunciation of his name uh, they are very weak very weak two other performances I love uh, are the judge uh, played by Fred Gwynn and uh, the other the prosecutor played by Lane Smith they are great Lane Smith especially he does this motion when he's talking to the jury where he holds up one hand and then collaborates it with the other hand to separate his points like they do not match and that was just for sam because it's an audio podcast manning basically he basically held up two claws like he was rock yeah. climbing or something it's it's just these little things that he does that really make me enjoy the movie even more uh but fred gwynn as judge chamberlain i think his character's name is judge chamberlain holler him and Joe Pesci going at it throughout the film is fucking awesome. I had a great time with this movie. Your boy making an appearance in this movie, too. James Rebhorn. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, nice. This was a four out of five for me. I bet you if I watch it again within a year, I'll probably give it a five. Awesome. This, this is one of those movies that's always on TV, and I definitely watched some clips of it when i was a kid yeah like i would put it on my dad would put it on for a second or something like that yeah. I've, i'm almost positive i've never seen this all the way through i remember a couple of moments from it like i remember marissa tomei's story but the little deer the little baby deer uh, <laughs> yes. i remember that moment and, <laughs> and then uh oh. joe pesci is regularly quoted in this movie the people talk about two youths yeah two that's, youths. that's regularly quoted still uh by everyone yes everyone. um yeah but yeah that's basically all that i remember i think oh i'm so glad yeah i think that's just that's just about it good i i i really really hope that you watch this yeah and i hope that you enjoyed as much as i did this was a fucking delight it was just what i needed last mm -hmm. night uh cool. it just made me happy the only reason one of the reasons it doesn't get a five out of five it's two hours long it doesn't need to be that long there's a there's quite a bit that you could cut out the only thing is that some of the stuff you cut out would be some of the fun moments between joe pesci and marissa tomei mm -hmm. um yeah 
great, absolute joy of a film. Cool. The last one I want to talk about is the movie I picked for the Manny Movie Club. Which I haven't seen yet. I know. (laughs) This movie is called R, R, R. A fictitious story about two legendary revolutionaries and their journey away from home before they started fighting for their country in the 1920s. Now, here in North America, they have translated RRR to mean rise, roar, and revolt. That's not what the RRR stands for. Sam, this movie stars, uh, it's an Indian film. For those that don't know, it's on Netflix. Even before I get into my completely, as I will not spoil as much as I possibly can, but I'm going to give away some stuff because I need to talk about this movie. But this um, this movie stars um, two guys. They are the biggest stars in India. Uh, his name is N.T. N.T. Rama Rao Jr. I think they just call him uh, Junior N.T. and Ram Charan. Um, it is directed by S.S. Rajamuli. So the R's stand for each one of them. Gotcha. Okay. Raj, Rajamuli, Ram Charan, and Rama Rayo Jr. That's what the R's stand for. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, the director, um, S.S. Rajamuli, he has three of the top five grossing films in Indian history. Whoa. Yeah. James Cameron has two of, of the world. He has three in India. That's pretty good. Yeah. This guy is unbelievable. Now, everybody that I run into this week after watching this movie, which has been, that was, I watched it Monday because I was so excited to watch this movie. All day yesterday and all day today, everybody I've been running into that I know enjoys movies, I've been begging them to watch this movie. Begging. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Flat out right now, my initial review is a four. It is now a five. Oh, okay. I've told everybody, and I'm going to tell everybody here as well, the two things about this movie I want everyone to know going in. One, it's three hours long. I did not feel the three hours because I was having way too much fucking fun. It is an Indian film, so it's kind of like half in English, half subtitled. But this movie is very similar, which has me a little worried about you because of your reaction to it. Do you remember how you were hesitant about the wushu style of film in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? I was. Okay. I do remember that. Yes. That's probably like three years ago now that we watched that, so I almost barely remember. And at that time, we were watching five Best Picture nominees a week. Yeah. This film has over-the-top action where these characters, these, these two characters that these two men are playing are real people in history. Mm-hmm. This is about as historically accurate as Inglorious Bastards. Right, okay. Okay, so these two people are real people. This movie is not a It's histor- not a retelling of their life. Not even close. Yeah. From my understanding, almost <laughs> literally nothing that happened in this movie happened in their lives. It's just using two massive historical figures, massively important historical figures in Indian history to tell this story. This movie is a action film, a buddy comedy, a romantic comedy, a musical, 
And what else can I throw in there? I can't think of anything else. This movie is so incredibly fun. The action is over the top in the sense that these men are basically doing superhuman feats, but they are not superheroes. I I don't I'm not very familiar with a lot of Indian and Bollywood film. Neither am I. It it is my understanding that a lot of the action movies are way over the top cheesy as viewed by western audiences yes like western audiences tend to watch bollywood action movies in particular and go wow that's really over the top and cheesy okay so this is over the top but not cheesy okay so it's and this is the one thing i'm going to spoil but this is the character introduction the character introduction to the character of ram uh sorry raju played by ram sharan who by the way that's one handsome motherfucker yeah, I'm looking at the pictures right now. Holy some handsome devils in this movie. Holy fuck is he a good-looking man. And he works out. The introduction to this character, this is <laughs> He is um a, a policeman for uh, uh for the Imperials, for the B, for the for the British Empire that's still there. The introduction to him is he is inside this um uh caged fort. And his superior officer, an Englishman, tells him to arrest a man who threw a rock at him. On the other side of the fence, this barbed wire fence, are about a thousand people, all wanting to get at the British. They're not charging the fence, but they are basically, they are protesting, not violently, but not peacefully. Yeah, kind of like through intimidation, almost. They're just they're just protesting outside, and every single one of them definitely, if given the chance, would do something bad. But they're not they're not rioting; they're just protesting loudly. He is told to arrest a guy who throws a rock. So Raju jumps over a twelve foot fence, standing jump, and I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> interesting, fine. And then with just a stick, one stick, proceeds to take on 500 people at once. Okay. It is so fun. <laughs> if you can buy into this after you watch him, spoilers, he gets his guy. Mm. If you can buy into it. Kind of treat it like a superhero movie? Treat it like a superhero movie, except these men are not superheroes. Yeah. They just have... But late, I'll full on later on. You'll be like, they're superheroes because <laughs> some of the stuff they do is breaks the laws of physics. Mm. But the best thing about it that I enjoy is that they're not winking at the camera. This isn't a like, aren't we cute at what we're doing? They play everything straight, but not seriously. They play it straight, but they are having but fun. But fun. Now the action scenes are played for seriousness, and they are so incredibly well choreographed. I think one of the reasons I like this, and it harkens back to what I was saying about Top Gun Maverick, is that in that scene where he's fighting 500 people, it's not the Matrix. Yeah. They have 500 extras. Oh, sweet. He's fighting real people. Oh, that's so cool. So it just felt more real, despite the fact that what he's doing is not real. That scene in Matrix Reloaded is one of my least favorite scenes in the history of cinema. Yes, and when you watch this, you're like, why didn't you just do this? Yeah. Like, this is amazing. And look how good it looks and how much fun it is. After that scene ended, 
I had a, I had a serious concern. I'm like, is this like a James Bond movie where like the best action scene is the beginning of the movie where you it's the introduction? That opening to Casino Royale though. Yeah, right? Right. Exceptional. Okay. <laughs> this action scene is nothing. Nothing <laughs> compared to what comes later in the film. Each time they have an action scene, you're just like, huh, that's going to be the highlight of the movie. No, sir. No, sir, it is not. It just keeps going up. It just keeps getting better and better and more fun and more incredible and so touching. This movie is one of my favorite movies of the year. I had such a great time. I know when we get to the when we wrap up the Manny Movie Club and I have to pick my favorite scene, it's not happening. I, I, I can't. I can't. The whole movie. The whole movie. The whole three-hour movie is my favorite scene. Sweet. That's this, a glowing review, Manny. This movie was so much We're going to hear fun. about this in some of the year-end stuff, I take it. I don't know how I'm going to not pick every action scene for this movie for our favorite, for the best action scene. Yeah. I honestly don't. I mean, you can. No rules against it. I know, but... I've... Off the top of your head, I mean, don't say them out loud, obviously, but are there five action scenes that... Like, five different action set pieces in this movie where you're like, yeah, that could be one of the one of the action scenes of the year? Okay, so that... The one I just told you. Yeah. Another one. Another one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Easily. <laughs> Easily. Oh, yeah. It could sweep. It could sweep. Sweet. Okay. Yes. Oh, it's so fun. The bar's been set. I... I can't heap enough praise on this movie. I, uh, as much as I say that, I do understand that this is a foreign film and is so different than what we're than what we're used to seeing as Western audiences. That I fully understand a lot of people may not enjoy this movie as as much as I did, and that's fine. I get it. But this was after watching Top Gun Maverick and this, and I hate saying this, but like more practical effects. There's a ton of CGI in this movie. Don't get me wrong, um, but them fighting like in this one, them fighting real people, it felt so good. Instead of, and those are the movies I love. But like, I'm tired of the CGI fight fest we're getting in MCU. Like, I can't remember the last time I've watched an MCU movie where the fight scene with CGI was good. Uh, you know, Black Panther has been on my mind just because uh, in one of our uh, yep. private movie drafts that we do with some of the PFGs, uh, Black Panther got selected in a very high spot in one of our drafts. Um, Not the, in the high, uh, the highest, the highest spot. It was ranked. Oh, it was ranked the best movie ever to contain a color in the title. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I won't get into the weeds of why I think that's not the case, but like specifically the final battle scene yes. in that movie to what you're saying, the final battle scene in that movie. And we now know that Chadwick Boseman was, uh, was already dealing with his sickness at this time. Yeah. So it's understandable that they would go very heavy on the CG and have him less in camera. Uh, but wow, is it ever not enjoyable? Yeah. It's actually like a noticeably boring scene. As opposed to the scene in black Panther, uh, at the, a legal casino. Yeah, the casino scene is good. Yeah, the casino scene is good in Black Panther. But yeah, the but that seems to be a lot more practical. Yeah, seems to be. Anyway. Yeah, most of the stuff they do, you can tell, is pretty practical. There's some hand-to-hand combat stuff. In yeah. There. Uh, but yeah, the conclusion, which is entirely CG, entirely CG rendered. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's not good. I agree. Uh, yeah, I I honestly, I ho- I'm I'm hoping 
that a few of you enjoy this movie even half as much as I did. But like, I fucking love this movie. And if this, if this somehow doesn't make my top ten, this is one of the best years in film. Mm-hmm. I had such a great time. Five out of five for RR. Wicked. Okay, well, that's a that's a huge glowing review. I'm excited for that. I'm I'm really gonna have to check this out. I can't. I wait think to- I think I've missed the last two movie draft movies. Or no, sorry, not movie draft movies. Movie club movies. Yeah, I've missed the last two. I'm bummed about that. I love I love participating in these, but I just haven't had uh, haven't had the time. I'm begging you, please don't miss this one. Yeah. I desperately want to talk about this one with okay. you. All right. Okay, that's what I've been watching. Sam doesn't have anything to chime in on. No, sir. So that takes us to the main part of this episode where we are going to be reviewing our second Best Picture nominee? Yes. Uh, yeah, because we had Scent of a Woman. And then this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because we're doing our third one uh, next week. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> the movie we're reviewing this year, or this year, <laughs> tonight, uh, is The Crying Game. Released November 25th, 1992. That was a limited release. It uh, was released wide in early 1993. Uh, written and directed by Neil Jordan. Starring Stephen Ray, Jay Davidson, and Forrest Whitaker. Has a meta score of 90. It won one Oscar that year for Best Original Screenplay. And was nominated for five others. Uh, was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Stephen Ray, Best Supporting Actor for Jay Davidson, Best Director for Neil Jordan, and Best Film Editing. Had a budget of $2.8 million and grossed $62.5 million worldwide. The plot, a British soldier kidnapped by IRA terrorists soon befriends one of his captors, who then becomes drawn into the soldier's world. Now, before we get into our thoughts on the film, Sam had never seen this film, so last week he gave us his prediction on what the film could be about. Why don't we hear that now? Next week we are continuing our mini-series on 1992. We're going to be talking about The Crying Game in episode 214. Is this uh, a Best Picture nom? It is indeed. Okay, Best Picture nom, The Crying Game. This will be the second Ooh. that we've done? Uh, yes. For Best Picture? Sensible Woman and The Crying Game. Yeah, yeah fourth, fourth episode overall. Yeah. Second uh, Best Picture nom. As per tradition, Sam, have you seen The Crying Game? I have not. I know nothing. Nothing about it. All right. No cast members, no plot points. Nothing. Zero zilch. All right. So, Sam, let's continue the fun game that uh, our listeners, and by listeners, I mean Rachel. Um, I have, Well, Jordan and Wes haven't told me if they love this section, <laughs> but Rachel has told me flat out that she... We is, assume that you love everything about us always. Yes. <laughs> but Rachel has stated numerous times that she loves when you try to Good. guess All right. what the movie's about. So, Sam... What is the crying game about? The 1992 film, a crying game. No, or not, sorry, uh, not uh, the crying game. Let's get the you. title correct. That's thank the one you. thing I do know about the movie is the title, or okay. at least that I should know. Uh, the crying game is a 1992 film that was nominated for best picture. It is a romantic drama film. Uh, the crying game, the title refers to um, a way. Uh, it refers to a courting technique that the girls in the movie use. Oh. Is my guess. Uh, <laughs> Where uh, they will try to act vulnerable to guys and uh, and use their tears to seduce men and reveal their future selves, or reveal themselves at a later time. For okay. Who they really are. All that right. is my best guess. All That's right. That's what I got. Wicked. This will be very interesting to revisit in one week's time. Uh. All right. Eerily close. <laughs> <laughs> Eerily close. I think I got at least half half marks on just about everything that I said. <laughs> Not bad. 
Sam, why don't you give us your spoiler-free thoughts on the Crying Game? Okay, people are going to think I was cheating at, uh, cheating at that when I say what I'm about to say, which is, I, this seems like the most important thing for me to say, there is a famous moment in this movie. Yes. Which I, Were you aware of this famous moment? I wasn't. Until it happened? Well, like, let's say there's, there's a character introduced about a third of the way through the movie, and like five, in, five minutes into this person's runtime, I was like, I'm aware of what's about to happen. Okay. Uh, I, I, um, you and I have talked about the YouTube channel Watch Mojo off there. Yes, yes. Uh, one of their videos talks about this movie. Okay. And the really famous moment from it. Okay. So about five minutes after this character's introduction, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen. And I, and I did. That's so, unfortunate. Yeah. So from what I understand, this was a monumental moment. Huge. huge like everybody talking about this yes. moment. Yeah. Yes. It, the two things that people were talking about in 1992 were this and Basic Instinct. Totally. Yes. <laughs> Very similar. Anyway, I won't even say that. But yeah, like understandably, they were talking about uh, talking about both these movies. Um, so the Crying Game. Uh, first third of this movie or so is kind of a different movie than the back half. I don't think that's really a spoiler to say. You're talking about the first half with Forrest Whitaker and Stephen Ray? Yeah, it's a very, like, there's kind of two movies in one. Okay. I very much thought this was going to be different out of the gate. Okay. So when we have our sort of movie A (laughs) set up, I was into it. I was enjoying it. I liked the interactions between Stephen Ray and Forrest Whitaker. I thought they played off each other really nicely, and I thought we were going to get a little bit more of a an introspective political movie. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, movie B starts. <laughs> that one, I was honestly less interested in. Interesting. Didn't have as much investment in that. Admittedly, part of it is I, th- I think that the famous moment, I already knew it was going to happen. Uh, I, and I agree. I think that's... I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think if I... If, like I said last week, I didn't really know anything about this movie, but I definitely had my memory jogged about halfway through this movie. For sure, about what it about what it was. If you're even remotely aware of this film, yeah, and the <sighs> hype, mm-hmm. the legacy, yeah, of it, it can definitely alter that initial moment. Yeah, and honestly, since I did know it was going to happen, uh, the tension in the movie, which is a big source of its appeal, I think, is the is the tension in the movie. The tension really dropped out from the bottom. Uh, I didn't particularly care for either of the lead performances in the back half of the movie. In particular, I thought that a lot of the dialogue was repetitive and frankly just not romantic or sexy or tense wow i i re- my my enjoyment of the movie frankly really dropped off in the back half not that's not to say there wasn't stuff i enjoyed it's a very well constructed movie for it's very very artsy movie it's a very art house movie 100 yes. percent. so i think there's a time and a place and a particular kind of uh audience member that'll get something out of it and i have nothing against that kind of person but i would have enjoyed this movie quite a lot more if it was just stephen ray and forrest whitaker in a room okay i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more so I, I left a little disappointed, partially because I already knew one of the main things that was going to happen. Okay. Okay. I remember the hype of this movie back in 1992. I didn't watch it until it hit home video. Did you know the moment when you would watch it for the first time? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, it been spoiled big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because this was... This was the second most talked about movie of the year after basic instinct mm-hmm. 
by far. Everyone was talking about. I, you can't even call it a twist. It's not a twist. Uh, I think the uh, the Watch Mojo video that I watched had it in like an honorable mention for greatest twists of all time or whatever. It's not it's really. Not, it's not a twist. It's not really. No, it's not a twist. Yeah. I, no, a reveal hmm. is the best way. Is it ever? And so that was spoiled for me going in when I watched it, but I still enjoyed it. And it's easily been over 20 years. I've, like, I haven't watched this movie since the turn of the century, for mm-hmm. sure. So I was excited to rewatch it. And I enjoyed the first part as well with Stephen Ray and Forrest Whitaker. I, but I also found myself really enjoying these movie B, as you like to put it. Yeah. I did enjoy the interaction between Dill and Fergus slash Jimmy. Uh, I found their, I found their, I don't know, I guess the sexual tension between them, I found it intriguing. Nowhere near the same level as Basic Instinct. That, that, that might honestly be part of it. I think it, it might is. honestly be part of it. We just came off of Basic Instinct, which is just full of sexual chemistry. There's just sexual chemistry oozing out of the, oozing out of the seams in that movie. Yes, and in, incredible chemistry between the two leads. Totally. And so I 100% could understand that. And I think... Like we said last week, I think it's one of the reasons that Shining Through really stood out for the lack of chemistry. Mm-hmm. Because one of the leads in Shining Through is one of the leads in Basic Instinct. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I could totally understand that. Uh, but I found myself enjoying both halves of the movie, mm-hmm. or, or both movies yeah. within this movie, sure. as you like to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I had, I, had a good, I had a good time. It was nice to revisit. The nice thing was, is that while I knew... Basically, kind of like the two major plot points. Mm-hmm. The the first part with Forrest Whitaker and Stephen Ray, I to- obviously I knew about that. And I knew about the the reveal uh, of that. I couldn't remember how the movie ended. Mm. And so I kept wondering how they were going to wiggle out of the problem that had arisen. And that was enjoyable for me. Because mm-hmm. I complete, I honestly had completely forgotten how this movie ended. And so I found myself... While I will not say enthralled, um, interested would be the word I would use. Mm-hmm. Should we get into spoiling the movie? Yeah, I would love to. All right, we're going to spoil The Crying Game, a 30-year-old film. In three, two, one, go fuck yourself. One thing I just want to say since uh, out of the gate in spoiler territory now, yeah. um, now that we kind of have free reign, is... Uh, I would be very curious to know the point of views of any uh, uh, queer listeners that we have in yeah. this, because it seems like, much like we talked about with Ray with Some Like It Hot, mm-hmm. this seems like the kind of movie that would benefit from sort of a modern re um, reinterpretation of things, because um, there's there's a, <laughs> I, I watched this movie with Emma, who is always trying to, She's always reading into uh, gay subtext in movies, uh, mm-hmm. whether whether it actually was intended to be put there in, or not. I think even she was surprised at how right she was in talking about this movie as it was going along. Like, uh, like I mean, we'll get there, but there's a scene like in the first ten minutes where a man touches another man's penis, and oh yes, like, so she's like making kind of jokes like, "Oh my god, guys, just make out already!" Like, and then she was like, "Oh." <laughs> and then it actually became uh, more apparent what was going on. But yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Okay. Um, thing number two is my actual first note of the movie. As always, as is tradition, is simply the word <laughs> boo. <laughs> boo, Miramax. Boo. Yeah, in the opening credits there. That's fair. That's it. Okay. Uh, my first note is 
uh, I really enjoyed the opening shot of the slow-moving camera showing uh, under the bridge, showing the carnival in the background. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're paying attention. That fucking Ferris wheel is flying. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. I didn't, know. It is going fucking fast. Is it really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> if you've ever been on a Ferris wheel, they go kind of slow. Yeah, pretty This leisurely. one was not. Yeah. <laughs> not going slow. And I was like, that would actually be a scary ride. Yeah. There's a there's a Ferris wheel. I went to Disneyland when I was about I want to say ten years old ish, or mm-hmm. maybe even a little younger, maybe eight. And there's a there's a Ferris wheel. Uh, I think it's called the Sun Wheel, uh, if I recall correctly. And some of the carts are kind of free flow. They're on rails, so they yep. kind of slide. Oh, okay. As the as it moves along. Yeah. And my dad to this day will still tell tales about the flying wheel of doom, as he calls it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just how it's just a horrifying ride. I, I wish I would have noticed that the Ferris wheel was flying a little bit. Yeah, it's going way faster than the Ferris wheel should be going. Yeah. And so I was kind of looking at, like, the other things. I'm like, did they speed up the film? Maybe. Which would be hard because it's a very slow pan. Mm-hmm. I was like, that'd be weird. Uh, no, the Ferris wheel is just going way faster than it should be. Okay. Uh, so we meet uh, Jody and Jude. Uh, Jody played by Forrest Whitaker and Jude played by an actress I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not going to look it up right now. Um, he... he Miranda Richardson, I think. Oh, shit. I do know her. Fuck, yeah. I'm an asshole. Hmm. Um, they go... He, he needs to go to the washroom, I guess, setting up something later. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, I've never pissed while holding hands. Uh, neither have I. No, I don't think so. Me neither. Uh, it's not that I have a shy bladder, but I've never held somebody else's hand while taking a piss. I get a little bit of stage fright. Do you? Sometimes at a sporting event, someone like walks up to the urinal next to me. It takes about 10 seconds. Really? Yeah. Yeah, just, I have no problem. Oh, it's weird. Problem. It's fair. It's yeah. fair. It's not uncommon. Worst part of the scene, puts his hand directly on her face after the after he pisses and kisses her. I'm like, ew, dude, fucking wash your hands. It's fucking nasty. <laughs> She lures him away from the carnival, mm. and he is kidnapped by IRA terrorists. Now, I can't remember. I, I felt like I told you this before. I was scared of the IRA at this time. I think you did tell me this. Uh, I think when we were talking about Belfast, maybe, or maybe uh, in the name of the father. I feel it was more recent than that. That was semi-recent, I guess. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, more recent than that. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. Hold on. I do. I need to find this out because I just want to quickly look on, up, on Letterboxd. Yeah, my diary. Like, uh, what uh, other uh, <laughs> Spiderhead, Ballroom, Shining, no, Basic Instinct, Bay Byron Kingdom, Newsies. I don't see anything about fucking IRA recently. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Who knows? But one of the other movies I didn't talk about that I watched this week is another IRA terrorist movie, Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. Oh wow! So I was terrified of the IRA. I honestly thought, like, my... F- we, you're, we're talking, like, really young, right? Like, well, I'm 17. Or... Oh, okay. All right. I was, just, like, all... Pretty much everything I was scared of in life was from movies. Yeah. I was scared of cocaine and drugs because I thought you would try and think you could fly and jump off buildings. Yeah. I'm scared of the IRA because they just kidnap and bomb people all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I was scared. I was scared. You can't, you can't make shit up in movies. No, you can't. You're not the, allowed to. Th- these, these were documentaries in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's taken to a remote house. He is being held by the IRA in the hopes that they'll release one of theirs, or he is going to be executed. I, as soon as this premise is presented to the audience, I'm, I'm on board. Actually, I think we're just gonna get like, is a psychological thriller the right term? Maybe not necessarily, but just like I thought we were going to get a tête-à-tête 
big arguments, lots of infighting oh, about. You thought the about, whole movie is going to be about them about at the this moral house. conundrum. Ooh. I am like so at this point in the movie, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go, let's fucking go. I'm like, I'm actually like very much into it. So when Forrest Whitaker gets hit by a truck in like 20 minutes, I'm just and like, I forgot that's how he dies. Yeah, that caught me off guard, mm-hmm. and it's violent. Yes. Yes, it is. They, I guess we can just, there's not a lot to really touch on in here uh, unless you want to go, but. Like we're talking like the fair or. No, I'm, I'm, we're at the house. Yeah. Okay. So Jody and Fergus, uh, Fergus played by Stephen Ray. Jody is Forrest Whitaker. Jody's the one being held hostage. They start to form a bond. And I don't know how in depth you want to get in about what they're talking about uh, or, or the things that they discuss. But for like, like you said, like the next 20 minutes, it's just about Jody and Fergus talking mm. to one another, starting to become friendly. Um, this is where he shows a picture of Dill to him in his wallet. Did you, again, we're in spoilers. Did you know from the picture? No. Okay. No. I knew from the introduction of Dill. Like, when Dill actually shows up in person, I'm like, I'm, like, some weird memories are being triggered right now by the appearance of this person. Okay. Uh, I was really curious because I, like, like I said, and we're dancing around something. If you're listening to this spoiler-filled review and you haven't seen this movie, I, I implore you to stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> Once more. Once Spoiler more. warning V2. Yeah. Please. And watch this movie. Um, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, the, well, here's the scene that Emma was talking about. Uh, Jody has to pee. Yeah. Uh, Fergus has to unzip him and then take out his dick. And then put it back in. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. When I saw this happen, again, I still didn't really know what the film was really about. Yes. So, at this moment, I, I think Jody is just kind of testing the water, like, seeing what he can get away with, more or less. I agree. Seeing just how kind this person really is. I agree. And how much control he's actually in in the situation. That's how I interpreted it the first time. There's maybe a little bit more of a homoerotic undercurrent knowing what's going to come in the movie. <sighs> I don't know. I guess maybe as a straight guy, I didn't pick up on any of that. Yeah. Because I've seen... Wait, have I seen other movies where the guy had to pull out his dick, or does he end up untying his hand so he can do it? Hmm. Because I've seen this this moment in other films. I just can't remember how it's resolved. I mean, it's a different situation, and it's a woman who has to pee, but the most recent one that comes to mind is Ozark Season 2, when when, uh, Wendy is uh, being held hostage. Hmm. Who knows? Hmm. Um, I do like how they laugh it off. Yeah. Because it's kind of an absurd moment between two guys. Who, like, barely know each other. And yeah. And now they've just had this insanely intimate personal moment together. <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. Uh, an important part of the film, though, is here uh, back in the hut, house, cabin, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Uh, Joey tells the story of the scorpion and the frog. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the highlights of the movie as well as kind of the thematic point yep. of it all. Yep. He 
this Judy comes in and hits him with the gun. Judy's such a bitch. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh and I, I think, is it at this point where Jody says that uh, she's not my type? Or have we passed that moment I think already? we passed that point. Okay, yeah, because now upon like skimming my notes again, I'm just like, yeah, I fucking bet she's not your type. <laughs> I know, nice little, a nice little plant. This is another thing that Emma and I were joking about because we had just we had seen Jody say, not my type. These two guys are kind of hitting it off and have this chemistry, and then one of them touches the other's dick. It's like, wow, this is... This is 1992. We are not not expecting to see this sort of stuff. Yep. But here we go. Um, this is where Jody starts to realize he's not going to survive. Mm-hmm. He's going to be killed. He starts talking about Dylan, how much he loves her. And then he asks Fergus for a favor. Um, he wants Fergus to find Dill and tell her that Jody was thinking about her during his last moments. You know what? I mean, we're going to get there as well, but goddamn, what a what a kind of skeezy thing to do to this person that you owe a huge debt to. Like this person who you made this big solemn promise to before you watched him die, and then you just go, "Actually, I'm going to fuck this person instead." <laughs> like that was I think one of the reasons why I was like, I cannot get on board with Fergus kind of as a person. I don't know. He he's, he waits way, 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 way too long to reveal his true intent. True. He's also an IRA terrorist, so totally. how much are we supposed to really be but on the whole point, the whole point of the movie is about his inner nature, about yes. like whether he's really a scorpion or whether he's a frog. And the movie kind of makes the point that he's the frog. The movie kind of makes the point that like deep down he's really good. Like, okay, you can start by not being really shitty to your now-deceased friend. <laughs> anyway. Fair. Uh, the IRA leader, Peter, tells Fergus he's got to kill him in the morning. Um, Judy doubts Fergus. Doubts that he's gonna do it. Yeah, and I think it's by the way, it's Jude. I'm pretty sure. Is it Jude? Jody and Jude. And you're conflating those two names, perhaps. You are correct. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Fergus requests to spend the night with him, so Jody can have. I, I think it's because he wants Jody to spend the last night with some friendly company. Yeah, friendly company. Hundred percent. Um, not. It didn't take me out of the movie at all, yeah. but this is a dumb decision by the... So I, I kind of got the impression at this point in the movie that the, the other IRA members are kind of his boss. Like He's just kind of a grunt. He's just kind of an underling. Yeah. Uh, really poor decision by the decision makers to let somebody who's obviously already getting too close to this prisoner, who requests after being told that he has to kill him, he's like, can I spend the next 24 hours with him or the next 12 hours, whatever it is? Can I spend the night with him? Seems like a poor decision to grant this wish, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Fair. I can't imagine the fear that Jody would be going through, mm-hmm. knowing like he knows full well. I think because I think we come in and like Fergus has told him. It's just a cut directly to Jody crying. Yeah, basically. I can't imagine that fear. Yeah, knowing like seeing that looming in front of you, ugh, makes me sick to think it d- about. It does. Yeah. Uh, there's a. F- uh, a movie you you never got a chance to watch. Uh, it's called Dead Man Walking with Sean Penn mm-hmm. and Susan Sarandon, which she won her Oscar for. And it's also similar. Um, there's a similar moment in Green Mile where they're they're going to the execution. They can't walk. Yeah, they can't, and they have to kind of be carried. <sighs> it's, Jesus, it's so intense. I I can't. I can't even imagine just knowing that. Yeah, I'm walking. 
fucking to my death. I fucking I just can't stand it. Uh, Whitaker's really good in this scene. He's absolutely incredible. His yeah. best performance in the movie, as far as I'm concerned. And for half of his performance, he's wearing a bag on his head. Um, he asks for a story, and he gets a Bible verse. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, the morning comes. Uh, it's time to die, and he makes Jody start to walk. I don't think I'd be capable of that walk. No, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm just sitting right there and say, fuck you. Put one in me here. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not walking out into the forest. I'm like, where you can just leave my body. Um, I, 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 just, I just think I would be incapable of movement. Um, he begs for the hood to come off, which Fergus does. Dumb. Don't put that bag over my head, boss. Yeah. I'm afraid of the dark. that's a reference to a better movie um jody runs i mean fuck you're you're playing with house money at this point right much what worst case scenario you don't run and you're dead or you run and you're maybe 50 50 dead i wouldn't go for i I, you're like you know 10 10 percent you're escaping 10 percent you're getting away uh and better than zero and then he gets hit by that fucking car that armored car yeah it's kind of out of fucking nowhere i completely forgot about that yeah and it 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 shocked me. I was I was kind of bummed, honestly, at this point, because now it's clear that you know my idea for what this movie is <laughs> is not is not the case, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was bummed but interested. I was like, okay, like now we need to actually have a plot. Now we need to like come up with a new movie. Basically, what's what's gonna happen from here? What's the consequence? Uh, Fergus escapes and goes to London, mm-hmm. and he says he needs to escape for a while, which is basically him trying to get out of the ira Mm -hmm. uh the only thing i didn't like is they never tell you how much time has passed between that shot of the ferry leaving from ireland to go to england Mm -hmm. and then we obviously know time has passed because his hair's cut but i like how much time do you think i i got the impression like i mean everything's pretty nearby in this part of the world i got the impression like we're not far after like a week after a week yeah I, I was thinking like half a year. Oh yeah. If not if not a full year. Maybe. But yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um He seeks out Dill to fulfill his promise. And then he gets a haircut from Dill. Now we've we've now met Dill. And you're starting to get the twinge, like yeah. Now something. Now was... I'm like, oh, I remember a thing about this movie. I think. Okay. I remember. I I think the exact phrase in my mind was, oh, is it this movie? I was like, oh, this movie. I think that's what this is. Okay. Yeah. So I was I was, like, let's call it seventy five percent sure I was, I knew what was going to happen. Okay. Um, last week I talked about how, this movie is referenced by another movie that I know you like. Do you know the reference I'm speaking of? Oh, I wish I had that in mind. Um, I don't actually recall. Okay. I don't recall. So, you know what? I'll get there when we get to the scene. Okay. Okay. I I am I'm a little sad, not surprised, but I'm a little sad that you knew about this was starting to raise up your awareness that you knew of the famous moment from this movie yes yeah i'm really sad because i was kind of wondering i wanted to know if jay davidson again for those of you listening that don't know this movie 
Dill is is a man. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get to the, in. She is played by a man in the movie, and in the movie she is a a trans woman. Is that right? Is that yeah, correct. Yeah, I don't think that's the terminology used at the time. Not, but no, it was not. 2022, you would call this person trans. Okay, I believe definitely trans. Even yeah. even though the actor, from what I understand, it, it identifies as a gay man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what I was cure, what I was wondering is. At this point, when you've seen Dill for the first time, I was always wondering, is that's a fucking, like, immediately, that's a fucking dude. Like, oh, you're wondering, like, if, if, uh, if, if some of that does Dill's femininity is, uh, passable. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. I, I think it, I felt like it was. It was, yeah. Okay. I, I, it wasn't anything about Dill in particular, let's say. It wasn't anything about Dill's appearance necessarily. That uh, that tipped me off. I okay. guess. Okay. Okay. Good. I, I, I can't even honestly explain to you what it was. No, it, it was I just, It was just a little memory lurking yep. in the back of my mind. I hundred percent get it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I, I I really felt that Jay Davidson was really good in this movie. Yeah. And you've already said that you didn't really particularly care for the performance, but uh, I really did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. Actually, there's just I I wouldn't say. I didn't care for the performance. I mean, maybe yes, maybe no. It's more so a matter of like, there's a couple of scenes that are really high tension and really emotional in this movie where it feels like both actors are just kind of going for deadpan. And I like, it just, it's not necessarily a, a matter of them missing their mark or anything like that. It feels more like a problem of direction of just like, I don't know. They were told to kind of dial back the emotion in certain scenes hmm. where, where I could, I felt like it could have benefited from a little more, I don't know, emotional involvement. Let's say. Okay. Wow. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Wow. <clears throat> it's so rare that we're on like so far apart. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, he gets a haircut from Dill. Uh, the flirting starts to begin a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he follows her uh, to the Metro. Uh, and, we meet the bartender, Cole. Yeah, Jim Broadbent. Yeah. <laughs> I had zero recollection that he was in this movie, and I have in my notes, Jim Broadbent, three exclamation marks. Yeah. I was <laughs> super fucking excited. His, his name appeared in the opening credits, too. I saw him there, I, I think. I think yeah. I was just settling in. Yeah. Uh, and you were watching that fucking Ferris wheel. I was. Watching, I'm like, that Ferris wheel is moving fucking quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was super excited to see him. Cool. Really I mean, uh, I can't really point to anything specific that Jim Broadbent's in that I like super enjoyed. He's just an actor that appears in things from time to time where I always enjoy his appearance. I can't think of anything he's been in where he was bad. Uh, he's notably in like three of the Harry Potter movies, I think. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, you have a disappointed look on your face now, but whatever. Yeah, but no, he he shows up in things from time to time and is uh, is always super cool. And he's really good in this movie. I him, him and Dill actually play off each other really well. They, so good. You really get the impression right away that they've known each other a long time. They have this friendship and this understanding and this bond. Uh, but Cole also is a professional yes. pretty clearly. And he never really lets that facade fall. So mm-hmm. I, I like this character a lot, actually. Uh, I love how they flirt through Cole mm-hmm. in this scene. Yeah. Uh, and he's game. Like he's yep. he's playing. He's, he's not rolling his eyes. being like, just talk to each other, your fucking self. He's not rolling his eyes. He's he's down. He's down yeah. to facilitate this little flirtation, whatever this is. Um. Then Dave shows up. I hope that you'll kind of 
keep the actor who plays Dave in mind. Okay. Um, he's played by Ralph Brown. Um, it's no like it's not a spoiler or anything, but he's gonna show up in a movie that we review later on this year. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I'm also I'm I'm looking at Ralph Brown's IMDb page right now. He is both in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace and Wayne's World Two. And I don't remember him in either. And I've seen both of those movies several times. All right. So I'm I'm, I'm going to be watching Wayne's World 2 soon because I'm going to be watching Wayne's World 1 soon. I uh, should watch Wayne's World 2. You should. Yeah. I'm curious what you would think of it. I, I It's been a while since I've seen it. I remember really liking both. I remember how much shocked you were that I enjoyed the first one so I was, much. You gave it four, right? No, I gave it three. Oh, did you? Okay. I, I, oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> saying a passing grade is... Is like a four. Is above and beyond. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, Dave shows up and slaps her around a bit. Um, Jimmy follows them back to Dill's appointment and kind of watches their silhouettes go at it for a moment or two. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. A bit of a peeping Tom, but all right. Porn was not readily available back then. Yep. You needed to rent the crying game on direct video to see some dick. <laughs> uh, he returns to the Metro. Uh, Cole recognizes him. Uh, Dill is singing. The crying game. This performance I found a little underwhelming. Yeah, it's not a great one. It's not, not really great. I mean, now that we know kind of that what he's attending is actually a drag show. I mean, it's... I don't know. I've never really been to a drag show, but I'm... Have I? No. I've been to a burlesque show. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. I've been to a drag show? No, I certainly haven't. Emma actually just went to a drag show this weekend with her mom. I haven't... I wasn't available. I haven't been to a drag show, mm -hmm. but my best friend Ray has been in drag sure. numerous times Yeah. at Halloween, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Naturally. So I've, I've had my share of drag. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. He looked good. I'm sure he did. I love you, Ray. <laughs> um, once again, they flirt through Cole. A another enjoyable moment. Jim Broadbent killing it. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave shows up again. Uh, takes Dill away. And Jimmy comes out this time. And kicks him in the nuts. Poor choice of words, but yes. <laughs> he leaves the building. <laughs> I think it's a good choice of words, yeah, actually. Maybe, yeah. Pun intended, uh, question mark? They go back to Dill's place. Jimmy gives her a kiss. At this point, I'm like, I'm like 95%. I'm like, this is, this this is happening. The, I'm like, like, this is the movie. Like, this is the movie. <laughs> this is the movie. Uh, I like how Dill's in command here. Yeah. I he, like... uh, he places uh, his hand on her thigh and she kind of shoves yeah. him away. Yeah. 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 Um, they meet up after work. They go for dinner. And... We think it's Dave that tried to run them down. Yeah, later we find out that it's uh, that they're IRA buddies. Yeah, Jude and Peter. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, there was something else I wanted to talk about here, but I can't honestly remember. Has, has she already tossed Dave's stuff out of the apartment? Not yet. Not yet? Okay, never mind then. It's where we are right now. All right. So they're in the apartment, and Jimmy sees the pics of Jody. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where Dave arrives and Dill throws his clothes out and then and the fucking goldfish the fucking goldfish I got a it was an audible <laughs> holy shit at Same. this point in the movie oh my gosh she killed the goldfish <laughs> absolutely savage <laughs> ruthless it was savage 
It was very fucking savage. Yeah. Uh, I could I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be played for a laugh, but I I was fucking laughing my I, ass so off. So was this I. Like holy shit, who kills the goldfish? That's wild. I didn't check to see if the Humane Society uh, supported this movie at the end. Or yeah, not. I don't know. I, I honestly can't speak to that. Um, okay, so what I wanted to talk about in this part was not necessarily the killing of the goldfish, even though it's objectively hilarious. Uh, what I actually want to talk about is something that I couldn't talk about in non-spoiler because it's very spoilery, but one of the main dialogue writing things that just so didn't work for me in this movie, and one of my main problems of it really, is the constant, Jimmy constantly asking Dill uh, about Jody. Yes. Just seems very invasive and odd, and like, if I was Dill on the spot, red flags would be going off me, and I'm like, why are you so interested in my ex? Like, yeah. Can't we just let this lie and like can't we just be our own thing? But it's like constantly yes. that he's asking about Jody and like repeating himself. He even points out at one point, he's like, Oh, I'm getting a little repetitive. This whole part of the movie really not working for me, honestly. Fair. Okay, it's fair. Um She starts to undress him. Yep. Dill sucks him off while he's staring at pictures of Jody. Yeah. Again, at this point, I'm going, oh, like, there's a lot of homo, there's a lot of homoerotic undercurrent in this movie. There's a lot, there's, I'm sure that there are, uh, there are queer audience members watching this in 2022 or even in 1992 mm-hmm. who are, who are watching a movie that's about a different thing. Yes. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I guess as a straight man. I would have to say that Dill's blowjob skills must be out of this world to get me to come while I'm looking at the man that I her dead <laughs> her dead ex who I pretty much killed. That's fucking ice cold. Staring at a picture of her dead ex boyfriend and staring and knowing at- that you caused his death. Yeah, and, and you're still and, in, and you're just st- still able to co- bring, still- to- bring yourself to orgasm. Yes, That's, that is. Ice cold. That is ice cold. Uh, and then after the blowjob, he continues to ask about Jody. I know. <laughs> it's like, how did that not bring your mind off of it? Yes. Yeah. Again, this point in the movie, I'm okay. So maybe her blowjob wasn't that good. If he wants to keep I talking guess about not. Jody, who knows? It can go either way. Good enough to make two men in this movie fall in love with her. So fair enough. Actually, three because Dave. Oh right, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. If Dill was a girl, I would actually fall in love with her. Why is that? I like I like her confidence. I like the way that she is in control. I like her. I like I like her that way. Just I, I'm sorry. I'm just not into dudes. Yeah, I, I think this is one of uh, one of the things I also didn't like about this movie, in particular their chemistry, is that Fergus oh. is really really mean to Dill. Oh, I, I don't think that they have much chemistry. Yeah, so, like, that seems like it's supposed to be an important part of the movie. It is. I, I, and I just 100% agree. I don't feel that chemistry. I, in particular, don't know why Dill would even like Jimmy. Okay, that that's... I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I can see why he falls sure. in love with Dill. I yep. think I think Dill's fantastic. Sure. I, lo- I love her as a person. I think she's great. Like I said, I like her confidence. I like the way she carries herself. I like the way that she... She, I like it the way that she's in control of situations, mm. and she's had to build up these walls to protect herself totally. because of what she's done. But like how she is, how she uses Cole to flirt with 
with Jimmy. I love all that. Kind of, I I love Dill, but I don't see what she sees in Fergus, especially mm-hmm. especially after this. He's such a dick. Yeah, espe- like post reveal, especially like even leading up to this, it's not great. Yeah, uh, but like post reveal in particular, why would she stick around? Doesn't make sense to me. Um, they're back at the metro. She, this is where Dill, this was a little confusing for me knowing what's coming ahead because Dill starts getting him to drink, but it's revealed later on that Dill thought Jimmy knew that Dill was a man. Yeah. So I, at at first when she started getting a drink and she says, she asks him, do you think you can go the distance? That played to me like Dill know, Dill it felt to me that Dill knew that Jimmy didn't know mm-hmm. at that in this moment. Yeah, it's possible Dill's just hedging her bets, right? Like, yeah. if she, it's possible she's pretty sure Jimmy knows, but just in case he doesn't, let's loosen him up a little bit and see see if we can't make this happen anyway. They go back to the place. This is the famous scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they start making out. She stops him. She goes into the bathroom to freshen up. She doesn't say that, but it's basically what you're on? under the attention. She comes out in a robe. And here's the huge moment in 1992. Well, medium size, but uh, yeah. <laughs> He's soft. Yeah. He's soft. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> grower, it's cold grower, in that room. Grower, not a shower. <laughs> Fair enough. Grower, not a shower. 100%. And jokes aside, it takes uh, takes a, a real man to, uh, no pun intended, but like for Jay Davidson, film debut, come out here full frontal and just like, like this is necessary for the plot of the movie. Yes, like it you is. need to have this shot in the movie for the, for it to work even a little bit. Yep. So the fact that Jay Davidson making a film debut is just like, yep, let's do it. Okay, I know what's being asked and is willing to go up there and bear everything. Like kudos. Yep. To make the movie work. Hundred percent. And it works. Yes. It works really well. Um, this is the scene where it's referenced in another film. Okay. After he sees her cock, he goes to the bathroom and starts to throw up. This is parodied in Ace Ventura. Oh, so it is. So it is. Okay, it's been a long time since I've seen Ace Ventura, yeah. but the whole uh, Finkel is Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, after Ace finds out he's in his bathroom, taking the plunger to his face. Got it. Pretending to throw up. Yeah. In the shower. Your gun is digging into my hip. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that scene parodies this one. Got it. Okay. Um... I like how Dill, who has obviously been in this situation before, is trying to keep the situation calm. Yeah. And what I do like, and it's and it's obvious because of the queer connotations of this film, is that while Jimmy obviously is upset over this, he comes out and apologizes. Mm-hmm. And he's unsure of exactly what is he's 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 still processing this whole thing. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions happening right yeah. now. Yeah, but I really love how Dill <clears throat> is again trying to keep the whole situation calm because I guarantee you she's been in these situations where a guy found out and it didn't end well for her. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's that's why like. Back in my like bar star days, I I would get approached by men 
fairly often because mm-hmm. I'm a good dancer for a guy. Yeah. So I was a lot of guys thought I was gay, mm-hmm. and they would come up and no would, straight man would ever know how to dance. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So I would I would get approached by gay men fairly regularly, and I always made sure to never make them feel stupid or afraid. I'd always politely just say, I am very flattered, but I am straight. But thank you so much for the compliment. Yeah. I never wanted to make them feel afraid or stupid for coming up to me because I don't even have the nuts to go up to a girl. Yeah, so I, think I, can... and, I think you and I have talked about this on air a couple times before, but can you imagine having to be in the minority of, uh, of, of men liking other men yep. and having to approach having to approach somebody knowing full well not only the humiliation which i think you and i have both felt approaching women uh, but also like the physical threat because some some guys are just fucking assholes there's no getting around that and some some people will be like become violent like what the fuck do you think about me especially at a bar yeah 100 percent. yep bunch of drunkards bunch of drunk assholes so i can only imagine the courage it would take yeah same same and so that's why like when i've been approached by men i always make sure to be as polite as possible yeah. in, in my uh, is it declination? Is that a correct word? Oh. My declining? Yeah, I think uh, declination. Declination sounds right to me. You gonna check? You gonna check on declination for me? Yeah. Uh, but I I always made sure to declination is a word. Thank you. Formal refusal. Oh, I feel so smart. Also, it's an astronomy term for the angular distance of a point north or south of the celestial equator, obviously. That's not what I was using the word for. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I I did always want to make sure that I didn't hurt their feelings or make them feel stupid or, like I said, not. I'm so physically unimposing. It's not like they were scared. of. But I I never wanted them to feel that way. So Dill in this situation, I think, is magnificent. Mm Mm-hmm. You're gonna say something. Oh, just you and I have both had uh, gay people in our lives for basically our entire lives, I yeah. think. And it's just—it's literally never made sense to me how you could take this as anything other than a compliment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks. You obviously think I'm really attractive and want to sleep with me. I admire your taste. Yes. I—I <laughs> I don't know how you can take this any other way. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I always took it as a compliment. Yeah. And then it reinforced my idea. I'm like, God, if I was gay, I would get laid a lot. Yeah. I think you and I both have a certain level of certain level of narcissism to us, though. Yeah. Both of us have a certain level of just like, I yes, ha- a person likes me. Yeah, Score. I have a much higher level of narcissism than you do. Yeah. <laughs> I put that as diplomatically as I could. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> One of the things about myself is I'm fully aware of my narcissism. Yeah. I think that's what makes it somewhat tolerable. Yeah, totally. A little <laughs> bit of self-awareness now, now and again never yeah. hurt anyone. Uh what am i looking at here uh oh oh uh jimmy leaves and goes home has uh we never mentioned before but he's had he has another dream slash vision of jimmy or sorry jody and in this one jody's smirking yeah love it (laughs) (laughs) almost like a you. (laughs) i knew this and you didn't yeah uh they go back to the metro uh dill once again talking through call I, or Cole, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking I love these scenes mm-hmm. with Cole. Um, she's rightfully angry. And totally. She's pissed. As, as she should be. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy leaves a note for her. The next day, Jimmy's at work at the construction site. And Dill arrives. Uh, Jimmy drops a window frame? Door frame? Window frame? Window frame. I, window there's frame. a lot of glass shattering. Yeah. Uh, Taken out of his paycheck... 
Two hundred quid, they say. Yeah. So, uh, but the conversion from uh, British pounds to Canadian dollars is roughly two times. So this is probably roughly four hundred Canadian at the time, <laughs> which is I don't know thirty years later. Let's call it double that. Yep. So eight hundred dollars, roughly Canadian. I'm gonna say, taken out of his paycheck. That's a that's it's a rough. pretty penny. It's a rough go. It's a lot. I don't have the quote here, but there's this great back and forth between Jimmy and Dill here where she keeps using um, lovely euphemisms for him. Darling, my sweet. Quit it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. It makes me uh, – it just made me smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go for some lunch, um, and she flirts a little bit with him. Uh, and then he stands up for her to his boss, and then she – really flirts she ain't no tart oh, yeah. i'm sorry you're lady she's not that either <laughs> that's a great fucking line yes <laughs> um they meet up again he's trying to understand this is where he's i th- this is where this movie is a product of its time whereas today this is oh, i even hate to frame it this way today this is a lot more acceptable i hate i, I can't find it's, this is much more common. Thank you. Mm. Um, back then, this was very new to people. Uh, the idea of transgenderism? Yes. Very new. And the idea of of dating one, of being yeah. with one. And so he's trying his best to understand this. But he's still being a jerk. Yes, he is. And this is, uh, you and I talk regularly about, you do need to put at least some consideration into the time period, some consideration into the time period. I do feel like he's genuinely being an asshole uh, either way. Um, But yeah, there is a little bit of a balance need to be struck between being here in 2022, watching it and thinking of what audiences must have thought in 1992 when it came out. Yeah. Um, He comes home to find Jude Mm -hmm. inside his apartment. She wants to get fucked. Yeah. My God, doesn't doesn't mess around. Yeah, it's Ferguson guy. Fer- Fergus is a fucking a fucking stud, I guess. Yeah, more like fuckus. Yeah, fuckus. Um, she saved his life because the IRA wanted to kill him. Yeah, it is. I, I should also add, by the way, it's implied earlier that these two have had uh, some, some sort of romantic involvement. Yeah. Um, he tells her the truth about what happened with Jody. Yeah, she's completely straight up. Yep. It's in his nature. <laughs> and then Jude threatens Dill. And they want him to do something for them. Mm-hmm. One last job. Uh, cut to Jude getting her hair done by Dill. Oh, that is a, that's a fucking power move. Yeah. Showing up to your girlfriend's place of work and somebody who has threatened to kill her is there as well, unbeknownst to your girlfriend. Yes. That is, that's harsh. Uh, and then they go for dinner, mm-hmm. and Jude is there. This is very chilling, and I think this part again, seventeen, not really listening to the news. Not a, I couldn't Google what the IRA was, so all the information I'm getting is the IRA is bombing people from the news, and I'm watching movies about how the IRA is killing people and threatening people. It it still amazes me. Like, uh, your rationale for it is rock solid, and I don't want to imply otherwise, but it is amazing to me that the fact that you're a Canadian who has never been to Ireland, as far as I know, uh, 
that never really played into your, uh, I don't know, you never really quelled your fear. No, yeah. didn't. I was like, nope, terrified of it. Hmm. Ter- I'm like, <laughs> it was right down. I'm like, I'm never going to Ireland. Wow. Never going. I've heard it's beautiful. I have. I, I mean, now. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, heard my n- understanding is that the uh things have sort of settled down there. Yeah. I've heard nothing but amazing things. Yeah. My dad and Ireland. my brother went to Ireland just pre pandemic. I couldn't join them because I was in Calgary. But, oh man. Heard it's just fantastic. Fucking A. Mm. <sighs> uh, Jude confronts them both. I love how Dilla's so smart and very witty with her. And but then Dill gets angry and runs out. Uh, okay, starting from about this point in the movie, another thing that sort of bothered me is like, now there. Obviously, I've made a point of already saying that Fergus has waited far too long to make his true intentions known to to Dill. But at this point in the movie, there's really no reason for him to not be honest with her. Yes. And it kind of bugs me that he still is keeping everything from her. Yes. Like, he is endangering both of them even more by not telling her what's going on. Yep. And he should know that. Uh, Jimmy tries to go after Dill, but is ambushed outside and uh, taken into a car by uh, Jude and Peter, mm-hmm. um, which is then followed by Dill in the taxi cab. They, uh, they being the IRA explain to Jimmy or Fergus that they want him to kill this official. Is it a royal? I I don't know if we honestly have it explained. Uh, it can't be a royal. Be, it can't be a royal. The security around him is way mm-hmm. too light. So it must be some type of official. And it's basically, he can tell by the layout, it's basically a suicide mission. And this is the IRA's way of getting back at Fergus for what happened. And so, the, if if he completes it and survives, great. They 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 win. And if he doesn't compl- if he completes it but is killed, they win. If he doesn't complete it, they win. It's a win win win. Exactly. There's but, there's no outcome where they where they don't come out on top. Yeah. Uh, it, I believe except for the one that happens. It's it's a judge by the oh, way. Oh, it's a judge. Thank it's you. A judge. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So after the IRA leaves, Dill reveals herself. Uh, Jimmy yet again doesn't reveal the whole truth. Uh, they go back to the hair salon. We're running out of the opportunities here, Jimmy. Yeah. They go back to the hair salon, and he has the right idea of changing Dill's look. Yeah, but again... This is where... This is the time. Pri- prior to prior to cutting of the hair, he should be telling her why he's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, he's just like, let me cut your hair. And she's like, fuck you, why? <laughs> he's like, because I want to. She's like, okay. The scene... I understand the purpose of it. Yeah. I understand the purpose of his decision, but... And this is also where it kind of plays in, like, what reason does Dill have at this point to like this man? Yeah. Because she really willing to, like, she clearly identifies as a female. Is she really willing to change back, change to a man for, for and cut her hair short? So just for this person's amusement while given no good reason? Yeah. At this point in the movie, I'm having trouble relating to the decisions being made by either character here. They go back to her place. Um... They kind of start to make out and undress. It's obviously Dill's trying to get some type of reassurance and connection with him. Yeah, she's some so sort confused. Of, oh man, what's the, some sort of validation? I guess. Yeah, uh, and then he dresses her like a guy, and again, this is where he should tell her what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he goes back to his place and Jude is there with the gun. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yep. He goes back to the hotel and Dill isn't there and he sees her outside and she is drunk and being very overdramatic. Yes. But understandably so. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. It's understandably so. I, Again, I had I, a hard t- I, I had a little bit of hard time with this of of Dill making this decision. But I'm I'm trying to look at it from her perspective. Yeah, like for me this decision didn't feel weird simply because she's in the dark on everything. Like she's kind of being bullied bullied around and being bossed around uh, by this man that she thinks she loves and she has no idea why. So, I mean, she's probably under a huge deal of stress right now. So she's like, fuck it, I'm just going to get drunk. She has no idea what kind of danger they're in. I know, but the, the, I think for me, I guess maybe I've seen too many movies. Hmm. But if I'm a, if I'm a trans woman hmm. and this guy I'm seeing starts acting weird, wants to change my appearance and then refuses, won't let me turn on the lights when we go to our apartment and then books us into a hotel, I'm not going to go out and get drunk. That's fair. Like, your understanding of the situation is there is something dangerous afoot. Yes. Yeah. So, that's why I have a problem with her doing this. But, on the flip side, you have to remember, Dill being who she is, she probably has a lot of experience with men being really insecure in themselves, falling for her, and being ashamed of her. Fair. So, to her, it may look like she's just being hidden away. Fair. Fair. I still... uh, Fair. Fair. Okay. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, finally, Jimmy tells the truth. Oh, goddamn time. But he only confesses when she's barely conscious and drunk as fuck. Yeah, which again is another poor decision, which will backfire in horrible fashion. <laughs> yes. Morning comes. Dill wakes up, finds his gun, ties him to the bed. Now... I'm going to let this slide. The tying of the feet, I, I think you can get away with. The tying of the hands while asleep, I don't think that's happening. No. This is like one of the heaviest sleepers of all time. And the reason I have a problem with this, it doesn't take me on the movie. It's just a minor nitpick. He's an IRA terrorist who, while in Ireland, would constantly be on the run mm-hmm. and constantly be in fear of being found out. So I think his awareness of his surroundings, even while sleeping, would be heightened. So any type of disturbing of to him while he was sleeping, I think would wake him up instantly. I think you're absolutely correct. So minor thing, don't care. It's just a minor nitpick. Can, I yeah, have. I can get on board with it as just a movie contrivance. But yeah, I yeah, I see what you're saying. Um. So Dill wants to know what's going on. This is being cross cut with scenes with Jude getting ready for this suicide mission. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's at this point here, which is funny because we're like ninety percent of the way through the movie. We're almost done. Mm-hmm. It's only here, even though I have the notes and all that, I remember I'm like, oh, Stephen Ray was nominated for this performance. Yeah. And I was like, nope. Absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely. I, I think he he is very deadpan at times. It's in this scene where I feel he should have earned his Oscar nomination. He is not desperate enough to get out of these not- bindings to get to that fucking t- – to that – assassination because he knows if he doesn't show up they're both dead yeah and he's just like deal you have to untie me deal you gotta let me go i have somewhere to be Mm -hmm. he's already told her about jody she knows 
you're in the IRA. You should be screaming, you need to untie me. If you don't, we are both dead. Like, yeah. frantic. And he is not. He's the, just like, you got to let me go, Dill. I got somewhere to go. The way that this character is written, I feel like he should be a lot more emotionally unstable. Yes. And he, he should be, like, there, there should be some form of instability, but he's always just brooding and quiet. He's, like, he's like borderline shy. And I feel like he shouldn't be. Given what's going on in this movie, I have no. This is my. This was my interpretation, mm-hmm. and this is the scene that is this. It his performance was fine, not Oscar worthy in any way, shape, or form. But in this scene, this is where he could have earned his nomination. So, the beginning of the movie when he's with Jody, there are times when he gets a little explosive and uh, uh, yells, especially when Jody's running. He's yeah. yelling at him, sure. frantic. Okay, he should be frantic in this scene. He should be yelling. He's totally. not. So, everything goes wrong. IRA and his his terrorist buddies get killed. He escapes to London. He needs to keep a low profile. He knows that if he um, draws any attention to himself, it increases the risk of him getting caught. Sure. So him being shy and introverted in London, that's fine. It's part of your cover. It makes sense. In this scene, you've already revealed to Dill who you are, what you are. You just haven't revealed what you have to go do. You for should, some inexplicable reason, you should be f- you your yours and the woman you love's life is on the line of you getting there. It hangs in the balance, and you are not fighting to get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. Th- this wrecks all of Stephen Ray's performance in this film for me. It's yeah. this scene. The, his whole Oscar nomination balances right here, and he fails in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't to this point really seen anything that led me to believe an Oscar for this guy for sure um yeah but this I, I absolutely see the point you're making and I think it's a good one uh not nothing here worth uh we're talking about in this scene so Peter and Jude wait out for as long as they can they know that this is their best shot to complete the mission that they have set forth I like that it's sort of implied maybe I'm reading into this too much but I got the impression in this scene of them like sort of waiting in the car, realizing that uh, that Jimmy isn't going to be showing up, that they're as good as dead. Like if this judge doesn't die, uh, their superiors are going to come down on them. Am I am I uh, am I correct in ascertaining yep. that? I, yep. I like that they kind of implied this larger chain of command. Like, well, great, Fergus didn't show up, so now we're all fucked. I, I kind of like that aspect of it, and it. Uh, lends some credence to the decision to the decision that Peter is about to make, which is to go do the mission himself. So, I just wanted to double check here, uh, as we're aware, he was nominated for best actor for his performance in here. He did. Um, he was nominated for a BAFTA. That's the British British, uh, British Academy, basically the British Oscars, um, and he did win. Um, Best Actor for the National Society of Film Critics in the U.S. for this performance. You, you know what comes to mind when I hear all that? Hmm. Is the fact that Harvey Weinstein is very good at what he does, which is market Miramax movies. Harvey Weinstein is very good at getting his people's names in the conversation. Big time. Or at least he was. <laughs> so there's only three nominees for Best Actor from the National Society of Film Critics Awards in 1993, and he beat out Clint Eastwood and Denzel. Incorrect. Absolutely incorrect. Wow. Okay. So I just wanted to see if, if he had actually won for this performance. Um, at the time back then, I guess I can get I can understand the nomination, but not in retrospect. Uh, so Peter has to try instead. He's killed. 
uh, Judas escapes, and after Stephen realizes that the time has passed, he should be basically he should be distraught. And it should be. We need to get the fuck out of here. And now. there's nothing. Uh, he's really weak. This this is where it. It's at this point in the movie. In my mind, I'm like, I'm take anytime I'm giving out. At the end of our show, when is there an Oscar nominated performance? He's no. the one getting fucking tossed. No, out. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, Dill plays some music. This happens to be the crying game. <laughs> what I wonder what the relevance actually is of the crying game. I looked up the lyrics beforehand. Oh, seem, nice. I didn't seem didn't see anything in there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'm not the greatest actually at analyzing lyrics, which is kind of mm. sad for somebody who's into as into music as that I am. That surprises me. Yeah, I'm more of a like music than a lyrics guy, if that makes okay. sense. But uh, well, if I'm not mistaken, the crying game was performed by Boy George. Yeah, who's kind of kind of. <laughs> A crossdresser? Yeah. I mean, I'm, again, 80s, uh, I think, yeah, I'm not super familiar with Boy George. I, Boy George is gay. Yeah. I remember, like, he Okay, was, well, then that would be he, a big part of the significance. He though. is, he was completely mocked mm-hmm. in the 80s. His song, his, uh, Boy George was uh, the lead singer of the Culture Club. Right. And a very popular 80s band, but he was, Boy George was the butt of many jokes for being... I don't think he was openly gay because nobody was really openly gay, but everyone knew everyone he knew. was gay, and he dressed very feminine, mm-hmm. and so he was the butt of a lot of jokes and mocked quite openly. Totally. I so, mean, the from what I recall, the lyrics are largely like the crying game being sort of the the cycle of like falling in love, falling out of love, uh, and winding up in tears at the end every time, and just being so good at the whole the whole game of it all okay. so I, I don't know it just refers to kind of a pattern so which doesn't really your prediction of the movie plot is actually the plot of the song which yeah again take part, the w i'm taking the w man <laughs> i i hereby reject any part marks that may be coming my way i want the whole goddamn thing i nailed it dill unties him too little too late jude sneaks in dill shoots her I fucking love it. This is a brutal death. This is violent. <laughs> yeah. And she's fucking cursing. She's cursing Dill out the entire time. I love that. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dill is chillingly okay with this murder. Yeah, Dill has definitely killed some people. Dill has definitely inflicted violence on other people. And I've always th- I've always thought that she's done it kind of like in self-defense. Well, I mean, there's a scene earlier with uh, with Dave when uh, when Fergus first encounters Dave and uh, has a foot on his neck, and her first instinct, which she pulls back immediately, but her first instinct is break his neck. Yep. So I think Dill's an inherently violent person for sure. I I think because she's had to endure violence. Totally. Yep. Because totally. of because of her I I hate to use that word because of her lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what? I have the note. Jody won't let her kill Jimmy. Yeah, she uh, she's pointing a gun at Jimmy for how he's mistreated her. I think, and she looks over at the picture of Jody. Okay, and spots him. I know. I, I spotted the same thing in my notes. I was like, Jody's dead. What the fuck am I talking about? Um, she goes to kill herself, and then Fergus stops her. Somehow, he's like very slow and gentle about it. Yeah. Um, and then she's kind of in shock. Yeah. I think the shock of the murder mm-hmm. has occurred. Um, the cops arrive. Again, 
I'm willing to let things go for the sake of the movie. Um, but the murder took place in her apartment. I'm pretty sure they're going to want to talk to her. Yeah. Like, even though he sends her away, it, like, obviously with the fact that she was there with the murder weapon and the victim. It looks way worse. It looks way worse. But she's still going to have to answer, like, why was he there? Why were you not? Who's this chick? Hmm. So, whatever. Um, I have to know, Jimmy talks to Jody. Oh, I, I can't honestly remember. Okay. I can't honestly remember. Um, in jail. Mm-hmm. Deal arrives. Uh, some more flirting. Oh, wait. What does he say? to? He says something to Jody. Uh, he says he says something kind of snide. Or just like, you couldn't have warned me or something like that. Oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Anyway. Uh, some more flirting at the jail. Um, it's in his nature to protect her. Mm-hmm. Talking about what's his nature. And then he begins to tell the story story of the scorpion and the frog. i refuse to believe that she doesn't know the story of the scorpion and the frog the fact that her and jody were so close i feel like she has to have heard this yeah probably i don't know and that's the movie yeah that is that's the whole thing yeah went by how long is this movie uh under two i think it's like 150 yeah it didn't feel 150 like didn't feel that long no yeah it felt kind of breezy i think again it's because movie b is actually pretty short <laughs> All right, you ready for some trivia? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, in this movie, Stephen Ray plays a member of the Irish Republican Army. In his actual life, Ray was married for 20 years to Dolores Price, a member of the IRA who participated in a car bombing at London's Old Bailey in 1973. For her part in the bombing, Price was given a life sentence, though she actually only served seven years in prison. Ray and Price were married during the time that Ray filmed The Crying Game. They divorced in 2003, and Price died in 2013. In a posthumously released interview, Price admitted to also playing a role in one of the most notorious unsolved crime of the Troubles era, the 1972 kidnapping and murder of a Belfast mother of 10 named Jean McConville, whose disappearance remained an open mystery until her body was found in 2003. Mother of 10. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Irish. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Producer Stephen Woolley owned a repertory cinema in London called The Scala. When the film ran into funding issues... Wooly borrowed money from the Scala to keep the production afloat. Hmm. Good investment. $2.5 million made sixty-five. Yeah, well. Uh, Jay Davidson got the flu a few weeks into filming. A doctor called to the set, entered Jay's tiny trailer, examined him, came out to talk to director Neil Jordan, and asked, quote, have you considered the possibility that she might be pregnant? End quote. Neil and the other crew began to laugh. The doctor looked bemused and was told the secret a few minutes later. <laughs> classic uh time magazine critic richard corliss subtly gave away the movie's plot twist in his review the first letter in each paragraph spells out the phrase she is a he yeah that's fucking awesome (laughs) genius uh although producer stephen woolley was immediately taken with neil jordan's script he got zero interest in america the general consensus was that the role of dill was uncastable audiences wouldn't like the mix of sex and terrorism and the press would divulge the film's big twist Eventually, Woolley was able to drum up the necessary budget from British, European, and Japanese sources, then had to contend with the financial collapse of his production company, Palace Pictures. When Miramax, boo, which had initially rejected the script, saw the finished product, they immediately made an offer to distribute the film in the USA, with a clause in the contract that they would push the film for Oscar consideration. It seemed to work out pretty well. Yep. Uh, The photo of... These are two cool things I found. 
The photo of Jody's face on Dill's mirror changes from a frown to a closed mouth smile, then switches back and forth as the movie progresses. Hmm. In the final shot of the photo, Jody is grinning. Jody's changing face is symbolic of the events taking place in the last two thirds of the film after his death. Weird. That's such a weird detail to include in the movie. Yeah. Because obviously that's intentional and that's weird. Um, this I didn't pick up on, and after reading this, I fucking loved it. Mm. Before the big plot twist, don't think it's not a twist. Mm. Men and women are at the bar. Later, Dill asks Fergus why he was at the Metro, revealed to be a drag bar, if he didn't know Dill was actually a man. Fergus later sees drag queens at the bar, not the women of the previous scenes. It's not a plot hole. He's seeing the bar for what it really is. I, I did actually notice that. I, I did 100% notice that the people in the bar are different. Yeah. I think it's because I knew what was going to happen. But yeah. Anyway. But I'm, I remember seeing the first scene, there was men and women in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, I thought this was a drag bar. Yeah. And we see that because he doesn't know it's not a drag bar. So he sees the the trans women mm-hmm. as women. Yeah. I love that little small thing. Um, there's no casting with this, but I have something about the casting of Dill. Um, casting the role of Dill was extremely difficult until casting director Susie Figgis received a tip-off from director Derek Jarman about Jay Davidson. The film's casting agents discovered Davidson at a rap party for Edward II, a 1991 film, and offered him an opportunity to try out for the role of Dill. By his own admission, Davidson was very drunk and thought it was a joke at first. He eventually took the role to pay for a pair of handmade leather riding boots he'd seen in a copy of Vogue. (laughs) I'm sure that worked out for him. Yep. I'm told that he uh, did not have a... Well, I'm not told. I, I see that he did not have a long acting career after this. No, he did Stargate. Yeah. Chose to not uh, pursue film any further. Apparently, he didn't like the fame. No, he hated it. Um, and he demanded... Uh, I think he got paid $1 million for his role in Stargate. Sweet. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm out. Yeah. Good and I'll him. buy a lot of riding boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite quote? You only have two? Uh, three. Three. You three. go first. Yeah. Uh... When you come to shoot me, Patty, just remember you're getting rid of a shit-hot bowler. That's Jody talking to yep. Fergus at the beginning of the movie. I just know that if I was ever held hostage and I needed to convince people to not kill me, I'd talk about sports as well. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, you can't kill me. I'm a shit-hot podcaster. Yeah, exactly. Do you even know who I am? Yeah. No, okay. Um, number two is uh, Fergus as well coming to the defense of Dill. Okay. Did you ever pick up your teeth with broken fingers? Yeah, fucking that's a good one. <laughs> uh, and number three is Jody as well. Um, and as they both sink beneath the waves, the frog cries out, why did you sting me, Mr. Scorpion? For now, we both will drown. Scorpion replies, I can't help it. It's in my nature. All right. I've got nine. Holy. I did not think it was that quotable of a movie. It won best original screenplay. Did it really? Yes. I told you at the beginning of the show. I wasn't listening, Manny, obviously. All right. So the first one is, uh, uh, between Fergus and Dill. Thing is, Dill, you're not a girl. Details, baby. Details. (laughs) Number two is from Fergus. Did you ever pick your teeth up with broken fingers? I'm I, sorry if I may interject. I yeah. will also say I do. I personally try not to have too much dialogue in mine. I like to have it kind of be one-liners. Yep. Which this movie is very dialogue heavy as well. So yeah. I, that's another reason I don't have many. Yeah. Uh, so I got another dialogue. Yep. Uh, she's not a tart. No, of course not. She's a lady. No, she's not that either. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, another one from between Peter and Jimmy. Uh, what's she like between the sheets? Definitely unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is from Fergus. When I was a child, I thought as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. Bible quote. Yep. Uh, number six is some dialogue uh, between Fergus and Dill. 
What are you doing here? Got your note, so let's kiss and make up, honey. Don't call me that. Sorry, darling. Stop it, Dale. Apologies, my sweet. <laughs> uh, number seven is from Jody. Now put it back in. It's only a piece of meat. Yeah, very true, actually. Uh, number eight is from Dill. Don't go like that. I can't help what I am. And number nine is from Dill. Even when you were throwing up, I could tell you cared. Awesome. And your favorite quote? My favorite quote is going to be... Uh, gonna be the scorpion and the frog story okay that's a great pick yeah my favorite quote i kind of i'm gonna go with the interaction between fergus and dill where what are you doing here got your notes let's kiss and make up honey don't call me that story darling quit stop it dill apologies my sweet cool i I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. uh that little flirtation there Mm -hmm. uh favorite scene I, I added a couple. I told you before that I had two. I actually added two more. Okay, well. cool. So I, I have four. Uh, so the scorpion and the frog story from Jody in yep. the beginning. Uh, Jody uh, being assisted in pissing. Yes. Um, them flirting for the first time through coal. Yes. And then uh, also the base being blown up, like the basically the escape. Uh, Jody, Jody okay. running away, the whole base being blown up thing. That, okay. That whole scene there. All right. I've got five. Okay. I've got Jody's death. Mm-hmm. So same one. Yeah. Um, Dill killing killing Dave's fish. Oh shit! I wish I had that one. God damn it! <laughs> That's a good one. Um, Dill and Jimmy flirting through coal. Yep. Um, the big reveal or average size reveal according to you. Nice. Uh, and Dill kills Jude. Okay. Good one. Fuck the dead goldfish. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, what's your favorite scene, Sam? Uh, I am going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Jody's death. Joey's death. Yeah. Okay. I was. I didn't appreciate it as fully as I was watching it because I was like, "Oh, damn! Like this movie isn't about what I think it's about, is it?" And then, uh, but it, it was still a great scene. Of okay. Uh, I'm going with Dill and Jimmy flirting through coal. Mm-hmm. All right. Closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances? Uh, there are two performances nominated. Uh, Stephen Ray's. Uh, and I think we're in agreement that Stephen Ray is not worthy of the nomination on that. I agree. Um. And you didn't really like Jay Davidson. I was, I was lukewarm on Jay Davidson, honestly. Has some good scenes, but uh, again, I think it comes from the direction. They're just really deadpan together for a lot of their scenes together. Okay. Um, personally, you like I, Forrest Whitaker. I'm taking Forrest Whitaker over Jay Davidson for Okay, uh, for so you're going to drop Jay Davidson out of there and put in Forrest Whitaker? 100%. Wow. It's going to be interesting at the end of the year. I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think Jay Davidson is worthy of that nomination. Okay. Um, Steven- I feel I feel less strongly about Jay Davidson than I do about Stephen Ray. I think Stephen Ray is a mistake. I agree. I 100% agree. I honestly don't see why he's in there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Again, Harvey Weinstein is the reason. Yeah. He's very good at campaigning. Oh, my God. He's I, he's the best. Yeah. Honestly, the best. He's the best that there ever was as far as this, yes. this arena is concerned. I 100% agree. Sadly. And I, I, I don't say that to compliment the man because, well, should make no secret of this. The man is just a vile, repulsive human being in all senses of the word. Yes. Just, just a scum of the earth human being. Yeah. And it's so sad knowing that such a vile, disgusting piece of shit is responsible for some absolutely incredible cinema. And the thing is, even before it came out that he was a vile piece of shit, he was still considered to be very standoffish and asshole-ish. And yes. Genu- generally not pleasant. No. Yeah. And yeah. then it also came out that he was also a rapist on top of that. So. Yeah. 
Good job, Harvey Weinstein. Um, I'm going to disagree with a Forrest Whitaker nomination. Okay. I think he's good. Not, I don't think he's better than Jay. Okay. So I'm keeping Jay in there. And while I've seen four of the performances, I don't remember Al Pacino's enough in Glengarry Glenn Ross, and I haven't seen David Paymer Mr. Saturday Night yet. Mm. So I, I, I'm not taking anybody out. Four stays out. What about what about Jim Broadbent? Not in it enough. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I, I love him, but he okay. doesn't. Oh. You, Pull it by heartstrings, you I know. fucker. All right. Uh, what other aspects of the film are award-worthy? You don't even think it's... The screenplay a- is a head-scratcher to me. That is, that's a questionable pick as far as I'm concerned. I What else was it nominated for, sorry? Direction. Uh-huh. Oof. Okay. <laughs> so six. Actor, supporting, director, screenplay, picture. I'm missing one. Uh, editing? Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Editing. I like the editing. Editing's fine. Yeah, got no problem with that. Um, yeah, I think that's just about the <laughs> I frankly disagree with a lot of the other ones. I, I think editing is fine. Um, the cinematography is good. It didn't get nominated. No. Okay. Well, the question is what other categories are oh. award-worthy, right? Okay. It's good, but I don't think award-worthy. Makeup? Uh, maybe. Uh, what, there's only the, there's only three nominations. Okay, I was just about to ask: Are there? Is it one of the years where there's only a few noms? Because if so, yeah, we can sure we can get it in there. Okay. So the other nominations are uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which won Batman Returns, and Hoffa. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, get it in there. Costume design? No. No, nothing really spectacular as far as the costumes. Like the only costumes that were nice were hers. Yeah. Pass. All right. Nothing else. Okay. Oh, Shazam. Uh, sorry. Weak link of the film. Boy, that's... I got an easy one. Okay. The lack of chemistry between Stephen Ray that's and Jay great. Davidson. I love that. Yeah, lack of chemistry. They just have nothing going on there. Yeah. Good. Okay, that's a good pick. Was this anyone's career highlight? Yes, it was. Uh, Jay Davidson. Yep. 100% it was. This is the only film Stephen Ray got nominated for. Probably his as well. Um, I looked up his filmography before we came on here. I only really know him from V for Vendetta. The funny thing is, I don't think of him from this movie, but that's because he did this HBO film that I fucking love. Mm. And I think of him, when I think of Stephen Ray, I think of that film. So, but while he was nominated for his role in, in the movies called Citizen X, mm. which is on Crave because it's an HBO film. If you ever get a chance, I implore you to watch it it's okay. fucking phenomenal um I, th- I think i would have to say this is his career highlight okay. yeah I, I think it probably is neil jordan this has got to be his because i can't think that he, he got another oscar nomination one oh. one oscar yeah for writing this um there was one other big movie of his right that i uh so mona lisa was nominated for a bunch of baftas uh, same with End of the Affair. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing else. And I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. Oh, Interview with the Vampire. But he only directed that. He didn't write that. That was a pretty big film. Yeah, I think that's the only other one that could be, even be in contention. Still, the crying game winning the accolades that it did. And, and being and as successful as it was, and he wrote it and directed it. I, I probably lean crying game. Okay. Um, 
It's Jay Davidson's, not Forrest Whitaker's. No, Forrest Whitaker would go on to win an Oscar for Last King of Scotland. Yeah, okay. Will this make anyone's highlight reel? So Stephen Ray, yes. Jay Davidson, yes. Neil Jordan, yes. Will this make Forrest Whitaker's highlight reel? Uh, you know what? I mean, I haven't actually seen a ton of Forrest Whitaker movies, if I'm being totally honest. Okay. Uh, I don't think it does. Yeah. I mean... Because the ones that will make it will obviously be The Last King of Scotland. Um, <laughs> he's famous for his role in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is small. Right. Um, uh, Lee Daniels Butler. I haven't seen Platoon, but apparently he's in that. He's It's a small role. Okay. And he's in a movie that will be reviewing eventually that i can't wait it's a david fincher film panic room i forgot about this movie vantage point i watched that when it came out i barely remember it oh, but I, saw, yeah. I saw him in that and then he's got well he's in black panther yeah which i think would probably make the list yeah as well as rogue one which i actually don't really like his performance in that movie oh i forgot about that i don't like his performance that's you know that i genuinely i generally like that movie a little less than other people but yeah. his his role in particular is a is a standout as not being very good for me um oh he was oh he was one of the voices in that okay let's take <laughs> do you know who he was and sorry to bother you one he, of the horses yes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep oh i liked him in phone booth as well okay let's see oh ghost dog way of the samurai great movie really yeah hmm. I don't know, man. He hasn't been in that many, like, huge roles, it feels like. Like, that many movies that are very important to me, personally. Oh, I forgot. Oh, he's also he's a supporting actor in Good Morning Vietnam. Mm. Oh, I don't remember him in The Color of Money. Fuck, that's a good movie. He just kind of shows up and stuff from time to time, and he's good. Like, in Arrival, he's not, like, a uh, like a super important character. He's just very oh, good at what he's doing. Right, I forgot he's in Arrival. Yeah. Fuck, he's in good movies. I, like... I wouldn't call Forrest Whitaker a character actor. He's much bigger than that. But, like, he's arguably, like, the best character actor. <laughs> this isn't making his highlight reel. No, I think we just listed enough that yeah. like, he, he's just, he's sneaky good in too many things. MVP of the film. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say it. It's, it's not Jim Broadbent, but he's who came to mind. Um, God, I don't even know. Well, from from what you've told me, you feel that Forrest Whitaker is probably, yeah, probably for, he for is. me it's Jay Davidson. I mean, even more broadly, maybe the the first act of the movie, the first act of the movie, I was really intrigued, and uh, it kind of didn't deliver on the promise. MVP for me is Jay Davidson. Okay, I, I think it's a great performance. What will be this film's legacy? The scene. Yeah, yeah. This movie will forever be the reveal. Yeah. Would you watch this movie again? On my own volition? No. I wouldn't. I would. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie to friends? The circumstances under which I'd recommend this to a friend, I, I would be I'd be very curious, um, for anybody who's a member of the queer community to check this out. Because oh, I'd be I'd yeah. be really curious to see how in their opinion discussions of things like transgenderism hold up. Yeah. Um outside of that, no. There's better versions of just about everything this thing is. I would really like to know somebody's opinion that has never seen this movie. And didn't and, know the twist? doesn't know the or twist. The reveal? Twist, reveal, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. The dick. Yeah. If Jay Davidson comes across, is, is passable enough as a woman 
that when the reveal comes, it is actually shocking. Mm -hmm. Because I know it was in 1992, but this is 30 years later, Mm -hmm. where this is much more common. So I I feel that if someone comes in this movie and has no clue about it whatsoever, like at all, I think the reveal will be not as shocking, but still a, a nice twist. Shock, reveal, whatever you want to call it. So I would be very hesitant and very selective on who I would recommend this to. Thinking about it, I probably wouldn't because I have so many other films I would definitely recommend over this. And not even about the same type of subject, just when it comes to quality. I I mean, we've talked about two this year that I would recommend before this one. One we did an episode on, In the Name of the Father and Belfast, uh, which came out last year. Mm, Fair. I'd recommend either of those movies over this one for the subject matter. All right. Sam, your final thoughts on The Crying Game. I really wish I didn't know the reveal to The Crying Game. I really wish I went into this fully blind as I thought I was last week, but as we got into this, it became apparent that I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, Yeah, kind of a bummer. I I, I was looking forward to uh, to figuring this one out. Anytime I can go into a Best Picture nominee blind... um, I feel like I'm usually optimistic, but uh, this one, first of all, the screenplay win is a mistake. It's just not deserved as far as I'm concerned. It's got a lot of writing problems in it, actually, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, the leads lack chemistry between the two of them, which more comes down to the performance slash direction. Um, But the script is not doing them any favors. The constant questioning about Dill's ex-lover, it makes up a, a shocking portion of the movie. Uh, which was kind of upsetting. I think if <laughs> I think this script uh, showed so much promise in the uh, in the first third, and I was really intrigued to to see where it went. And frankly, I, I didn't really uh, I didn't really connect with the back half of this movie. I'm sure there are people who this connects with, and I'm sure in 1992 this was a shock. But uh, I I felt like this movie wasn't for me. Ouch. <laughs> uh, I've, I enjoyed myself watching this again. Like I said, I think for the third, maybe fourth time. Uh, I disagree with Stephen Ray's Oscar nomination for this, especially in the scene which should have win- won him the nomination, not the win, mm-hmm. especially not this year. Wow. But he, he drops the ball. But for me, I think Jay Davidson – is fantastic i i'm not upset about the oscar win for the screenplay looking at the other nominations there's one i would pick way above this Hmm. but i don't have a problem with the script at all i think i think the script is totally fine I, i don't have a problem with anything within the script i just have a problem with the lead performance the movie was Interesting enough to hold my attention, despite the fact that I've seen it before, but not in over 20 years. I I felt like the hour 52 ran by just fine. I was never I was never looking at my phone. I was never grabbing for my phone. Obviously, I'm taking notes, so that plays into it. But shining through, I found myself bored constantly. This isn't nearly as bad a movie as Shining Through. Yeah, we should make that clear. But. Uh, I still I still enjoyed myself with the crying game. We, the one thing, no, we we'll talk about it later. Um, 
Time to get down to the uh, the true moment here, Sam. Yeah. We're rating this movie. What are you giving it? Uh, I think you know it's coming. Yep. Uh, it, it's a two for me. I, I didn't have as good a time as I would have hoped. Uh, it's not nearly a one. It's far too well constructed a movie for that. And I think the distinction that you made, you gave Shining through a two. Uh, I gave it a one. Yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is a far, far superior movie. Like the difference between just one star in this particular case is ginormous. I think uh, the difference, sorry, I didn't even cut you go off. Ahead. I, for me, that's the biggest gap between a one-star and a two-star movie. That's the biggest gap between all of them. Yeah, this is this is an upper two, probably, but still a two. Yeah. Pretty pretty conclusively, as far as I'm concerned. This is a three. Yeah. It honestly came... It, it did come... It flirted with a four for me because I I felt everything... I think everything except for the lead performance in this movie is, is very well done. Okay. Uh, can we, uh, real quick, just talk about the 90 Metascore? The yep. 90? You, you're looking at it from 2022, though. Yeah, I you guess. Gotta look I at guess it all, the reviews, all the reviews were based in, two, or in uh, 1992. So yes. Fair enough, but wow. That's that's pretty high. <laughs> Any Metascore beginning with a 9 is exceptional. Like, I'm pretty sure Godfather 2 has like a 90, doesn't it? Or maybe like a 94. I don't know. Godfather 2? Yeah. In my head, Godfather 2 is at like a 90. Yeah, I wonder uh, if you have to remember. Yeah, so there you go. Like that's the kind of caliber of movie that you expect with with this kind of rating. This got a ninety. It's got a ninety, okay. Manny. Like one of the greatest films of all time, Godfather Two, got a ninety. Yeah. As did this. Last year alone, we only watched three movies with a higher Metascore in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty one, was Godfather Two one of them, or was that the year before? No, that's ninety. Oh, with with a higher Metascore. Higher Metascore. Okay, so Godfather won. Yep. Uh, with a Metascore of and 100. Both of them are 19... The other two are both 1994 films. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Yep. And... One that was... Sha- Shawshank. Nope. <sighs> I don't remember the other one. Where is Shawshank? Shawshank was an 80. Really? Yeah. Quiz show. 92. Right. Which also was a little high, but certainly better than this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like... You can think what you want about the movie, but like even from an objective technical standpoint, ninety is a is a stretch even in nineteen ninety two. It's not a stretch in nineteen ninety two, I assure you. Okay. All right. It's just it's it was just something so completely different and shocking. All right. Yeah. I'm not not disqualifying your opinion by saying that. I'm just trying to frame the context. Fair enough. That's yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, and like we said, while we prefer Metascore, it's not always perfect. Certainly. Secrets Certainly. and Lies, we're looking at you. <laughs> oh, what a 92, I want to say. I want to say higher. What's your final guess? I'm going to go uh, disgustingly high at a new... I think you're right with 92, but I'm going to go 96. I'm going to go 96. Uh, so it came out in 96. Oh, okay. And the answer is 91. 91. 91. Price is right rules, we both bust. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy boy. Yeah. What's going on next week? Next week, uh, we are we're going to be talking about another Best Picture nominee, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Amundo. Uh, episode two fifteen, Howard's End. Um, I, I will say just real quick that all I know about it at this point is that good friend of the show, Rachel, gave this one star out of five. Okay, that's all I know at this point. Before you begin your predictions, mm-hmm. I have not seen this movie either. Okay, and I. Th- 
I will join you in the prediction game. Okay. Since the last time we both shared a movie we hadn't seen, which was Shining Through, mm-hmm. I had the advantage because I actually seen some stills of the movie and, and the poster, so I had an under I had a rough understanding of what the movie might be about. I have a I have one little preconceived notion about this one. As do I. So I will go first this time. Okay. My prediction on Howard's end is that this is basically remains of the day. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go. I I'm pretty sure. Well, I know it's Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, and I'm almost positive it's Emma Thompson as well. Correct. Yeah. So I don't think that Howard's end is going to be about them being a butler and a maid again. I think they are the owners. I think they are a rich. Uh, aristocrats of uh, the British aristocracy. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, Howard's End is about they are a married couple who are going through a tumultuous time in their relationship and uh, some new younger woman comes into their life and disrupts their uh, stoic lifestyle. Hmm. That's my prediction cool. for Howard's End. Okay. Um, I think you're bang on as far as the generalities of it. I think you're exactly correct in that this is like a, uh, well, remains of the day more or less. Um, that was pretty much my preconceived notion of it too, that it's about the British uh, upper class. Yeah. Um, but again, whereas remains of the day is more about the servants and the underclass, yep. this is, I'm almost positive, more about the, the upper classmen. Um, I'm going to maybe predict i'll try to go a different direction than your prediction in saying that you don't have to if you feel like what i know i feel i feel like uh, my gut when i first heard this i was like okay this is i'm gonna predict it's kind of we're gonna say notebook-esque uh in the sense that it's kind of at the end of uh somebody's life named howard okay and we're nice and, and we're reflecting back on uh a burgeoning romance between him and a member of another upper-class British family, okay. played by, I think, Emma Thompson. Okay. So you're th- oh, this is awesome, because I was going to ask you, what do you think Howard's End refers to? And I you think, think it refers to the end of one's life, okay, is my I, guess. I'm going to go with it's the, um, it's the name of an area that is important to them. Okay. Like, uh, like a, it could be a street, or, or the house that they live in is Howard's End. That sounds way better than my guess, but I'm going to stick to mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, that's our prediction of what Howard's End is. We will see how close we were. I guess. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it does increase the profile of our podcast. allows more people to find us, such as you, Ben. Hi, Ben. And uh, you can also give us a review on Spotify which, again, helps us find new listeners. So we would greatly appreciate if you would just take the five seconds to do that. You can follow us on Letterboxd if you want to know what movies we're watching. You can find me at Manny42 and Sam at Sam Reimer. You can follow us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram. I always say Instagram and Twitter. I don't post anything on Twitter, so just follow me on Instagram where I'm a little bit more active, trying to have a little bit more fun in there. You can follow us on Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at SamMannyMoviePodcast at gmail.com, which I continually forget to check. I think that's everything. That's as good as we're going. So, for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. It's in my nature. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!